The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is a network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to a very special episode of Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dobbin here, joined by the young boy Josh Smith and One Nation Radio's Rich Latta. And we are here to reveal the categories and nominees for the second annual Keeping It Strong Style year-end awards. I feel like... Rich is just trying to pull like a Jericho on us. Like he wasn't here all year. Shows up for the big show, <laughs> the big payday. I, I was here around Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yeah. And then I'm well, here last now. year, pal. I was here 2017. Yeah. yeah, and now I'm here uh, again for the bag. <laughs> you know, they got the. You it know, feels like the the check was cut, and, and I'm back. It feels like every once in a while you'll just jump out of the crowd, make a run in, and then disappear. Or, or is he like Don Callis? Oh my god! <laughs> How is he like Don Callis? <laughs> he runs his own promotion, <laughs> and then he <laughs> comes over here every once in a while for the big shows. Leaves, go back to his promotion, and then it comes back, you know, periodically. Let's uh, let's make no mistakes about who the flagship program <laughs> of the Social Suplex Podcasting Network is. Yeah, oh my gosh. Interpromotional <laughs> food right now. Yes, yes. Uh, what's the deal from like a, the new, 80s? The U, new, UWFI? New, new Japan versus UWFI. <laughs> new Japan versus war. Yes. Oh my war, war style. style. <laughs> oh my oh, god. Glad to be here, guys, and uh, definitely proud of how you guys have handled you guys' first year here on the network and everything like that. Just straight to the top. Yo, it's crazy. Like, this is our first year. Bro. Yeah, man. Next week's episode will be officially the one-year anniversary oh of Keeping It Strong Style. So, like, all the listeners, I'm sure you guys have gone through it. Um, you know, the 2017 Survivor Series. Blame that for Keeping It Strong Style. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you could say that, but I feel like Destiny was... We were always destined to do this. It was going to happen one way or but another. That, that was the catalyst. That was the catalyst. That was the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. It's like, why don't we just do a New Japan podcast? Yeah, I, I'm always talking to this man Rich, and he's always talking about how terrible Monday Night Raw was and Tuesday Night Smackdown. I'm like, why, why aren't you just covering New Japan? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I like to uh, take a bulldozer to things, and we definitely did that uh, this week on our show on Lord, yeah, of, Pain. Lord of Pain. My like, God, that's one thing. Like, I, I love. I get. Yeah, I, I get entertainment from you guys trashing on WWE. So yeah. 
But uh, let's let's get to these awards, man. Because yeah. like Dude, I, I just like this is gotta, my favorite show <laughs> of the whole year. This got it. This is this is real deep. It is it's real like this is tough. It's not it's not easy at all. So me and Jeremy worked a long, long, a long time on these awards. Like for real, for yeah, real. Yeah, I mean, this is like what multiple weeks. Months, months, yeah, and and in some of the category because some of the categories took more work than others. I mean, yeah. it's been a year. I mean, literally, us like going back and forth. Like, what do you think about this? Like, well, think about that, and it was like a lot of back and forth, and yeah. So, if this is your first time, um, you know, if you didn't participate in our awards last year, and this is your first time, kind of listening, we want to kind of like set some of the parameters and the groundwork. So, basically, here's the deal: um, if you're listening to this, you already have access to the ballot, and you've kind of seen what we've nominated. Me and Jeremy go through in each category, and we pick between ten to five, ten to six. Yeah, ten to six nominees, depending on the category. We pick these nominees. Like, these are our official nominations, essentially. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of time and research that went into all categories and nominees. So, so like, if there's someone missing, like, let's say from Wrestler of the Year, right? You're, you're looking for, and we'll get to it, but, like, let's say you're looking for Jay White. That was us who left him off, or, right. or whoever it might be, Taichi, whatever. Well, I, I would love to uh, take credit for leaving Jay White off <laughs> the Wrestler of the Year list, but it wasn't me, but I would love to take credit. But once, um, once me and Jeremy go through, we make the nominations. At that point, our influence on these awards <clears throat> is completely hands-off, and we leave this in the hands of you, the listener, you, the viewer. Right, and you know how it works. Each category, you pick essentially picking three people. You have your first place vote, your second place vote, and your third place vote. The first place vote is worth three points, second place worth uh, vote is worth two points, and the third place vote is worth one point. Yeah, we tried the 5-3-1 gimmick last year, and like a first place vote was so powerful it was like unbalanced and it was like it was like a wilder right hand it was like <laughs> it's like no so we, we had to bring more balance to the force and uh yeah so three two one basically so anytime you vote your first place vote that's what they're getting they're getting three points essentially we tally them up this will be tallied up shortly before christmas and then we'll be dropping an episode at the end of the month basically yeah on on christmas day on yeah christmas day that is merry christmas you guys. yeah all right, so let's get into this. So the first category we're going to be talking about is wrestler of the year. Are we starting? We're starting at the top. Yeah. Well, I, wow. play, I play with it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's get to it. We start ours the same way. So. Yeah. Um, and all uh, for the wrestlers, all this will be in alphabetical order by last name. And when we talk about matches and shows, it'll be in chronological order. So there's no favoritism, like. You know, we didn't put our favorite first or anything like that. Yeah, we specifically went through and we're like, no, nah, we don't want to give anything away. Right. Alphabetical, chronological, right. historical. Right. Um, so, Wrestler of the Year, we have Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Zack Sabre Jr., Loaded. Yeah. yeah. Loaded, loaded, loaded. So in for most of our categories, we do six nominees. Um, Wrestler of the Year was a really, really tough category because there were plenty of guys that in other promotions, other years that are left off this list. But given their track record, they could have been 
the top performer in their promotion. Um, if, if, and if I can remember correctly, last year we only had like five or six. We did five. five no, yeah, five nominees. This year we upped it to eight. We, we were going to do six, and then it got to a point where we came down to a tiebreaker with two of our nominees, and that we're like, well, we literally were like, well, we can't pick this over the other, or vice versa. It's too divisive, and we're like, you know what? It's our award show. Screw it. We're doing eight. <laughs> and I think you guys kind of got lucky, too, because someone's not on here that is, looks like, you know... And it looks like he was headed there was Hiromu Takahashi. And Hiromu was definitely headed for this. Yeah. If if Hiromu had not got hurt and con- competed the remainder of the year, I think he would have easily been on here. So before we talk about these nominees, because people are probably wondering, we're going to discuss why they got nominated. Let's discuss some of the people that earlier in the year we thought were going to get nominated that were left off the nominees. So um, the first one I'll mention, Minoru Suzuki who, going into the G1, we're absolutely... Prior to the match that he had with Naito at Hinokuni, mm-hmm. we are like, he's probably a lock already. Yeah, I mean, I remember that, yeah. We were like, yeah, man, Suzuki's definitely going to be on there this year. But then, given the feud with Naito, the matches that they... Even though the feud <clears> was great, the matches they had, and then a lackluster G1, and then, you know, kind of a... a, a it kind of wasn't the same. It wasn't that. the same the second half. And you know what? He is a guy that they historically do tend to utilize in that early part of the year after Wrestle Kingdom, they heat him up, and then around G1 time, they kind of phase him out. So it's not un- it's not like he's had a bad year, but compared to the consistency of the rest of these guys, he, you know, and I think that's going to be the story of a lot of guys we talk about is that the second half going into the G1 is when guys typically tend to drop off, you know? Um, who's some, who's someone else that... The G1 makes uh, brings the truth out of everybody. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of another guy that... Young Bucks... Oh, yeah, Young Bucks. So at one point, we were literally, like, thinking that they as a tag team had a shot to be on this. Then they just, like, disappeared from the promotion most of the year. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we lost them for, like, six months, and so we couldn't... <laughs> yeah. They, they, we didn't have a body of work to go to. Uh, I mean, another name that I think people might want to throw out is uh, Chris Jericho, but... When you put his what he's done this year compared to all these guys, like yes, his match with Kenny and Naito and Evil were all great, and all the promos and the jumping, but he was not there all year long and having bangers. He's like, a different award. Yeah, yeah, like all eight of these guys. Have had. I think the last guy that we should mention before we move on that uh, probably some people will actually be surprised about is Switchblade Jay White, um, who in many aspects has had a fantastic year mm-hmm. and in certain aspects should be a wrestler of the year nomination but there's one aspect that he's lacking that the rest of these guys excelled at and that's in ring yeah i mean i mean there's no doubt about it when you look at all their matches you look at star ratings you know jay white didn't really come close to really much any of these guys yeah, I would say not even close. Like he had, he's had some very, very good matches, very, very good matches, and his character work, his story progression, his you know everything that he's done from that aspect has been fantastic. His and, promos. And he's headed to the dome to face Okada. Yeah, and I mean he's he's placed himself as a major star in the company where you know two years ago he was a young boy. The problem is he hasn't had that great defining match. 
like that just sets him apart, and he's had plenty of opportunities to do so. Right. I mean, all eight of these guys, I can name you multiple matches. Where I'm like, dude, that will stand Absolutely. out. Match that will stand out. That's a match of the year contender, and you will see when we get to match of the year that majority of these eight guys all have multiple matches in match of the year. And it starts for, well, with Jay White from like day one, and I've been notoriously hard on him literally all year. <laughs> I, I said he was dusty. That, that thing came from me, and. If you look at the Tokyo Dome, he flopped against Tanahashi, and then he flopped against Omega. And at that point, I'm like, well, those are two of the best guys in the world, right? It made us think it, Tanahashi was washed. Correct. <laughs> and then Tanahashi had to come correct that all throughout the year. So with Jay Wyatt, it was like he was working from a deficit from day one. They bring him to America in Long Beach, and he's in the semi-main event with Hangman Page. So at that point, I was like, I don't really know what to make of this guy, like from an in-ring perspective. And it seems like he kind of puts it together by the time he gets to San Francisco. Yeah, but then the- that becomes the story of Juice Robinson. So with Jay White, he leaves a lot to be desired in the ring. Well, we're not here to to bury uh, Jay White. Even though we know it's <laughs> one of your favorite things. Oh, yeah. And if, and if him and Okada don't get four and a half stars... I will be back on the show. <laughs> I will be back on the show to say, everyone, I was right. Oh I think we God. got Zach Porter coming on the show because he's going to be in, uh, in in at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he'll be our live uh, correspondent. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, the years that these guys have had. Let's start off with Kota Bushi. Um, Rich, since you seem so talkative right now, <laughs> this is your boy. So let's talk about it. Bro, Kota Bushi. When you look at the G1, this is what he's here. He, not Tomohiro Ishii, as great as Ishii was, not Kenny Omega, not the Real Warriors, not, <laughs> <laughs> none of them guys. Not Magnum T.A. Yeah, yes, on his funky oh. motorcycle. Did <laughs> he get a Mercedes Benz to be a real man? Be a real man. You know? My um, shoe costs more than your house. <laughs> yes. Well, when you talk about Kotobushi, you're talking about somebody that's excelling at all aspects of the game. He's been a great tag team wrestler this year. He's, wow. He's been the best guy in the G1 in all the best matches, no matter who you put him in there with. Mm-hmm. I think you put him with Tamatonga, and he was still like, he brought Tamatonga out of the funk that he was in of ruining the G1. Yeah. Kotobushi is like, he's the best guy that everyone wrestles, essentially. Mm-hmm. And. He's he's definitely a very strong contender. Like he's he's not gonna win championships or anything like that. He's easily well, the most versatile well, guy in Japan. Well, well, yeah. Well, we don't well, know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, <laughs> World World Tag yeah, League well, Finals. Let me slow down there. Let me slow down there. But thus far, that's like, not for you, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's not for you, baby. Like he's he, the only person that can stop Abushi is himself. And for my money. I don't want to get too sway or anything, but this guy's like, he's the class of this thing. Mm. Yeah. So, um, like, there's not a stretch throughout the year where you can just carve out the calendar and be like, yeah, these must, I don't really know about it, Chief. Like, Abushi's from the, the start of the year. He had, he, he brought Cody to that match or to that you love job. The Wrestle Kingdom match, yeah. Don't don't try to use a sales tactic on me. Yeah, <laughs> try to try to put a hook in me. Yeah, man. no, like, I I know I love the Cody Kota Bushi match. Yeah, I know it's one of my favorite matches. No matter of the year. who you give them. <laughs> I mean, the, the Hangman Page match it was Rollins. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. that even talks about that match. It was like four and a half stars. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, so I mean, let's let's talk about some memories of Kota Bushi. So I mean, it starts at the at the start of the year. 
him and Cody. They have a banger in the Tokyo Dome. Literally one of my favorite matches of the entire year. Uh, if I was a more biased like person, I would have put it on one of these lists. Just, <laughs> it, it just didn't make its way onto there. Um, after that, I mean, what 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 are some some of the next memories? I guess we're going to. Like, I mean, Golden Lovers reuniting. You the know, Golden Lovers reunion. Yeah, you know, we get the Golden Lovers battling against uh, some of the Bullet Club guys. So we had like those the, Honor the, Rising shows. Yes, we had um, Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks at Strong Style Evolved. Um, the New Japan Cup. Yeah, him and um, him and Zack Saber had a banger. He also wrestled, I believe it was Yujiro in the first round, or who did he wrestle? No, Yujiro wrestled round? Juice in the first round. Who did he wrestle? Yujiro wrestled Juice Robinson. Yes, yeah. I'm trying to remember who Kota Bushi wrestled in the first round. Uh, well, I guess we can't factor that in. <laughs> it's blanking right now. Yeah, but yeah, him him and uh, Zack Saber they had a banger. He got stopped there, um, and then him and Cody or him and. Um, <laughs> Kenny continued to team together. He had the awesome match with uh, Cody. I think at this point, he was having really consistently great matches, but everyone was kind of saying, like, the Golden Lovers kind of held him back. He's not in the forefront. But then the G1 came around, and this and dude, decided, that man just set the G1 on fire. Yeah, you want flips? You got him. You want strong style matches? You got him. You want an emotional classic? You got it. I mean, him and Kenny Omega, <coughs> him and Naito, him and Ishii, my God. We'll talk about most of these matches later yeah. on. Um, but he was, if not, he was either A1 or, or 1A or 1B when it came to the G1. And for my money, I can't remember... Who I had was 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 I a Ishii guy or was I a Bushi guy? I cannot remember. I can't remember right now, but I mean those were the two top guys in yeah. the tournament. You were it's either Team Ishii or Team Bushi. And then and then by the end of it, he ends up in the finals, which was highly unexpected, and he ends up re- wrestling one of the greatest matches I've ever seen with Tanahashi. Just a classic, dude. That match was so great, yeah. so emotional. Like I had a teardrop in my eye <laughs> <laughs> with a tear in my eye. <laughs> with a tear in my eyes, God is my witness. <laughs> but yeah, man, Abushi, like, and the year ain't over. I'll just say that. Yeah, the year's right. not over. So he's got, and then we we had. The tag matches with him and you know all the Osprey Chase stuff. Owens and uh, teaming with Owens and Yudro. and that's another thing too. You got to think about when it comes to Kota Bushi. It's not only has he had big matches and he's arrived, but when he's been placed in the smaller rows, roles, the multi-man matches with Chase and Yujiro, Kenny just to a lesser extent, he always delivers. Yeah, every then, match. Like you mentioned, night. all the Osprey stuff was great, and he's been here all year. Yeah. Like he, like he's never gone. Um, kind of what Rich was alluding to. Like it doesn't matter if you're having a comedy match; he's your guy. You're having a, a high spots match; he's your guy. He can strike, he can chain grapple. Like literally, Kota Bushi is one of is one of, if not the most versatile wrestler in the entire world today. So he's got to be in, in contention. I think um, absolutely. So next up, uh, Tomohiro Ishii. And like we mentioned, man, this was another guy that was an MVP of that B block in the G1 Climax. I mean, MVP of the whole tournament. Um, And this guy, I mean, banger after banger after banger this year. I mean, Ishii always has great matches, but he seemed to be on a whole other level this year. Tomohiro Ishii was at a different level this year. Um... The thing with Tomohiro Ishii, last year we had him nominated as a Wrestler of the Year nominee, and he was kind of like our fifth man. Like, you know, you had your big four, and then we're like, well, who's the fifth guy? And we, we named Ishii, and it was sort of like, we put him in there knowing he wasn't going to win. Right. It was like, you put in so much hard work, 
you need to be like honored, but that's as high as you're getting. This year, he's an actual contender for this thing. Like I, I feel like I was telling you before we recorded, I feel like the fans are there's gonna be a lot of Ishii votes. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of first place votes for Ishii. Yeah, and even if there's not, there's like. Is him and Abushi are going to split votes? I think for first and second place, and you never know. Like just the way the point systems are set up, there's going to be a lot. He could be that consistent, you know, second place vote. You never know. Right. Um, in a week and a half, Tomohiro Ishii is going to turn 43 years old. I want wow. you to keep that in mind while you think about what he did this year in the G1, and think. This is a he's a definition of he's not supposed to be here. Yeah. Like 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 this guy. Like right. he he doesn't get protected by the bookers. He loses to guys all the time. He's he has a horrible body. A horrible <laughs> body. It doesn't matter. I stood next to the man in New Orleans and towered over him. I never felt so small in my life. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels between Tomohiro Ishii and me. Like I tell Like what, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not. I, I don't get any kind of marketing or any kind of protection from the, the the people, the powers that be at Social Suplex. Yet I tower over the rest of you guys. Oh my gosh! I don't even know how you guys are sitting here next to me right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my yeah, god. Yeah, Ishii's like the cream like, always rises just, to the top. He's just incredible. Uh, James has famously called him the best bad body worker worker in the world. No, absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> he's another uh, super versatile guy. Whatever you need. So, so with Ishii, one thing is he's been placed in in situations where he's challenged for titles, things of that nature in the past. But the one thing is like he's never kind of gotten over that hump to where like he's on the same level as the top guys. This year was like the first year in however many years that this push has been going on where it's like Ishii is starting to be seen right at that level. And if he's not at that level, like I wouldn't call him upper mid right now. I'd call him just barely beneath the top, 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 top yeah. guys. He's got like a Shawn Michaels type role, like in the in the mid two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's a guy you can put in there, and he can work with anybody. And you know, not only did he have a great year in New Japan, he's had a great year excursion wise. Yes. Look at Rev Pro. Several Rev Pro uh, title matches throughout this year. The match that we saw in New Orleans when he OTT. won the belt uh, against Saber. OTT, Ring of Honor, I mean, the match with uh, Punishing Martinez. Um, this guy's been all Keith over. Keith Lee. Yeah, Keith Lee. Walter. And, like, Walter. Suzuki. Yes. David Starr. Yes. All the smoke. This and guy, no one wants it with this man. This man's been taking over Japan, England, United States. I mean, just dominating. Here, here's the thing with Ishii, too, is like, in the past, we've had to go off just his body of work and not so much his actual placement in the company. It was like you were voting for him in spite of the booking. This year, it's like he beat Kenny Omega in the freaking G1. He won the Red Pro title. Like he's gotten IWGP title shots. Like he's been right in the mix the whole year. So, I mean, yeah, like this has kind of been like a renaissance year for Tomohiro Ishii. And as much as we praise Kota Ibushi, like Ishii, Ishii had it just as good of, if not more so, a better G1 like those two guys it depends on your taste but mm-hmm. we're talking about one of the best G1s of all time and two of the best 
tournament performances from two guys right. ever, ever in history. Yeah, at the same time. At the same yeah. time, in the same block. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I have Red Dead Redemption, and I just named my horse Tomohiro. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it, the love is real for uh, Ishii. Oh, my Shout God. Shout out to Ishii. Oh man, so so yeah, we've got all the love in the world for Ishii. And the other thing too, Jeremy, you kind of talked about it. You said like not only does he arrive for the big matches, but it's like every match Ishii is in is a big match. Yeah. And I mean those sometimes also I mean his tag work with Yano too has been great this year. I mean at one point we thought he was getting a tag title, they were getting tag title shots. Dude, if if they had a better if it if they had a better track record of winning they absolutely could have been in in the running for tag team of the year. Like they mm-hmm. were bell to bell, maybe one of the, if not the best tag team going. And a lot of that had to do with Ishii. Yeah, and right now they're one of the highlights of the World Tag League. Amazing stuff. And um, in the multi man matches, you know, with Chaos, he's always the guy that shines almost the most. You want to see him paired off like all the time with whoever, the, right? The match. Are you guys gonna get that Tomohiro Ishii Jr. run you guys were talking about, bro? I, I, <laughs> I talk about it every week. Like I want the Tomohiro Ishii run so badly, so badly. But uh, but yeah, Ishii's been amazing this year. Uh, let's talk about number uh, three here. So we got Tetsuya Naito. And uh, Tetsuya Naito is definitely a guy where going into 2018, it seemed like he was going to be essentially the man. Like, you know, many people were predicting he was going to beat Okada. He ended up losing in the Tokyo Dome and has had a somewhat topsy-turvy, turbulent year. But let's talk about the positives and let's talk about why he made this ballot over, say, a Suzuki or something of that nature. Yeah, and I think... The, one of the main things you have to look at is um, business. A lot of times, Naito and LIJ are in the main events of all these Cork and Hall shows. All the time. All these different house shows and tours are doing. Naito and LIJ are in the main event. Regardless of how much he's lost this year, the fans still love him. He's still a top star. LIJ merch is still the number one merch seller right now. This guy is red hot. He's still over. He's still Regardless of how over. he was booked this year, he's still over. They've asked him to do a lot this year. They've asked him to do <clears throat> a whole lot this yeah. year. Now, like, and that's like, hey, we need you to go lose in the Tokyo Dome, right? Fuck your mom- momentum, what you got going on yeah. into it, right? Then we need you to, to start a year-long feud with Chris Jericho the next night. And he's never going to come. He's never going to be here, so you got to carry the, all yeah, of it. Whatever. Like, and, yeah. and then, like, you, you tell him to go wrestle uh, Tai Chi. And Yoshihashi. Um, and Yoshihashi. Yeah. And, like, he's, got, he's gotten a – if this was – you know, if he was in a different promotion – Obviously, and this is already happening. Like, what what the hell are they doing with Naito? Yeah. A lot of people felt like, and, that and I think year. yeah, there are a lot of unhappy Lij fans that are like, there are a lot of psycho ones too <laughs> that, 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 that don't realize. Like, yeah, like, I, I I I fully understand where you guys come from with the business uh, perspective, but you know, I think the thing with Naito is, I think people got to look at it and be honest with themselves. Well, here's the thing, because um, we're not here to sway your guys' vote or try to convince you to vote one way or the other. The reason that Naito got on this ballot more so than anything else, and it's the most overlooked reason, he's had a freaking incredible in-ring in year. This guy has had 
so many bangers that have gone underappreciated because of the idea that the booking has been lackluster. People haven't liked his character direction, but look at how many great matches he's had this year. The match was his, the match with um, Okada in the Tokyo Dome. The match he had with Zack Saber, which was the first match of the New Japan Cup that like opened my eyes to the reality of what Zack Saber could be in New Japan. Yeah, like he he got that guy over. Uh, he made Yoshihashi look like a million bucks. He made Taichi look like he actually could like, <laughs> be worth a damn in, in, in the heavyweight division. Uh, he had an, an incredible feud with Suzuki, and whether you like the match or not, like most of the great stuff that came out of that match was all due to Naito. Mm-hmm. Goes into the G1. Him and Kenny Omega have a five-star match. Him and him and um, freaking Ishii have a banger. Ibushi. Him and Ibushi have a banger. He has one of the only good matches that Tamatanga has of the entire thing. Like him, he's been like over delivering all year while still getting like buried at the same time. Um, and then the Jericho match from Dominion, which like he doesn't get credit for that match, but yeah, but that match is awesome. I, yeah. I think Naito's strongest um, argument is <clears throat> him l- looking at them and accepting what the booking is, and then. Performance to the best of his ability. Right. I mean, certain guys in his position, like, they might see the booking and be like, well, I'm only going to perform at, you know, half rate until I start winning. And again. I think he had a couple matches where, like, you know, we're, I, I don't want to ignore the Suzuki match that that was wrestling Hinokuni, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, th- I, I, mean, I think that, be, I think that be- was like a blown tire for him. But it, if you take that away and you just look at it, like I said, I think his biggest argument is I've done whatever this company has asked me to. And I'm still a star. And he's, he's yeah. also another guy like Ishii that's done a lot of excursion stuff this year. He was constantly featured on both of the Ring of Honor, Global Wars, and War of the World tours. Um, you know, he did a lot of stuff here in American Indies. Yeah, he did that that uh, that four week spot or the the four shows. There's three shows. He did the three shows with uh, Ar Fox and Sammy Callahan, and he wrestled uh, Michael Elgin. Mm-hmm. He did the CMLL shows. Yep. He went to uh, Australia, wrestled Jonah Rock in, in Melbourne City 100. So, I mean, he's been all over the place. Like, he's had a busy year. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, like, some people might question Naito being on here. But when you look at his body work, he, he's got to be – you have to – you cannot have that many good matches and then leave the guy off, especially when he's a top – one of the top four stars in the entire company. Yeah. So next up we have Kazuchika Okada, and I feel like Okada is very similar to. Like just in the, the weird key, man. They, yeah. uh, man, Okada. But, but yeah, I feel Okada is very similar to Naito in the fact that kayfabe wives booking wise they have not had the best year um you know clearly okada started the year you know continuing the historic title run but he does lose to kenny and after that kind of drops off storyline wise with the the balloons the different music the gear like he had a couple months where we were worried and then in the g1 i stopped worrying about him because this guy while and it took us till the end till I got to really crunch the numbers and see what he did like star rating wise and everything like that. Okada felt like he was going at like seventy percent on purpose, and he was still like the fourth guy maybe in the G one overall yeah. best in his block. Of course, he still had that stellar first half of the year where he's just like 
the greatest champion I've ever seen in my life. Unquestionably, he's a, he's half of the author of the Dominion Classic. This guy was incredible this yeah, year. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, um, another amazing in-ring year. So many great matches. Another guy that's been on excursion a lot in the, the Suzuki match, the 30th anniversary Suzuki match, um, the match with Saber and Rev Pro putting Saber over. The match with you said it with Osprey. No, at the at the thirteenth uh, anniversary was that the thirty thirty fifth anniversary. Yeah, him and him and Osprey they had that match. Uh, him and uh, from Lij uh, Sonata. Oh yeah, him and Sonata had a banger. Like he's he, he was literally making dudes look like main eventers yeah. left and right. Yeah, the, his his title run, which you know this the first six months of this year played into that title run. Um, it's one of the most significant things that happened. In the whole year. And so, like you said, Rich, like, it's one of the greatest championship runs we've ever, ever seen. And, you know, half of it occurred in this calendar year. So that that alone by itself, if if he'd gotten hurt the next day after Dominion and wasn't in the G1. And he would still be on this. He'd yeah. still be on this list and we'd still have to be talking about him. Um, the other thing, too, is... Um, like he just the 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 entire feud with Tanahashi, the three matches that they had, like just really that, that, that came out of nowhere. Like I remember, like I texted you after the third one. Oh. It was like, bro, is is Okada and Tanahashi quietly about to steal feud of the year? Yeah, like like it just out of nowhere. Well, I think the, the the only thing that hurts Okada though. The pants. The pants. <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking pants. But I've grown. I've the pants have kind of grown on me. Yeah. Oh no 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 no. The pants have not grown on me. Like I just choose to completely disassociate from those pants. <laughs> he all he sees is the torso. I just see a, I just see a man, and I don't. Oh see man! <laughs> I don't see those pants. It's freaking! Oh my god! He, I hate those so pants. So what John's telling y'all is he sees a man without pants. So <laughs> you know. take that take that how you want it. I yep. mean, you guys can take it however you want. I say crazier stuff now on the show on purpose all the time. Like I don't care. <laughs> Who's listening? <laughs> Lots of people are listening. You haven't seen the numbers? No, what I'm saying, what I'm saying. I was finishing your sentence. Oh. He said, you don't care. And I was like, who's listening? <laughs> oh, I don't care who's listening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. But anyway, so, I mean, Okada, like, just an incredible year, an incredible year. And then, obviously, the stuff with him and Kenny is just magic. Redefining the sport. Magic, yeah. magic. Yeah. I think that's a good transition. To the best bout machine. Kenny Omega, another guy that's had an incredible in-ring year. You you start at Wrestle Kingdom with Alpha vs. Omega, the match with Jericho. The impact on business. Yeah, I was yes. gonna say that bit, like the business that and that the quality. Did. Like yeah. it's like the business, yeah. the quality, the the far-reaching effects, not just for New Japan, but like the other news stories that are coming out with AEW and the stuff with WWE and the stuff with the entire climate surrounding international wrestling. Has a lot to do with Chris Jericho. Has a lot to do with what happened by them signing a match that we thought would never happen before. I mean, that's it's so significant. Yeah. Ultimately, Kenny Omega is the Omega is the magnet that holds all this shit together. The Jericho shit, the Bullet Club Civil War feud, um, Golden Lovers, the Golden Lovers, the Okada stuff, him. The Tokyo eventually main winning event this year. The, the main event this year. That's what I was getting. So him winning the title, like. 
I think, and I had this conversation with Josh probably about two months ago, Omega is getting a lot of the IWGP champion subtext hate right now. And you can say whatever you want about his title reign right now. You don't think it's whatever. But this dude is still producing, at minimum, four-and-a-half-star matches right now, right? (laughs) And going around the world... Um, and doing cool shit as far as, you know, him wrestling Pentagon, him wrestling Phoenix against, like, the New Japan office's wishes. P- producing his own show here in Florida, the CEO right. across New Japan Chasing show. Rants. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Chasing Rants. Um, and, and, of course, he has the V-Trigger, like, which yes. is just like one of the best moves in wrestling. Yes. Um, it's so good. Everyone's doing it now. Yes, yes. everyone. <laughs> yes. Dude, NXT TakeOver, there was like a V-Trigger in every match. Like, Omega's just, uh, uh, and I, as I was saying, I told Josh, I think Kenny Omega was 97 or 98% as good as he was last year. Because... Oh, no. I mean, I'll, I'll make no make no bones about it. I personally do, and I'm not detracting from Kenny, but I thought that Kenny, in many different ways, had a better year last year. That being said, his 2018 has been nothing if not incredible. I mean, incredible. It's like more five-star, like enough five-star matches to go on your fingers and toes. Right. And I mean, breaking the scale. We're we're (laughs) going to talk about match of the year here in just a little bit. He's all over it. Yeah. You know, getting, you know, he's part of the whole way of getting merchandise and hot topic, uh, the Funko pops, you know, uh, definitely a big part of being the elite. You had the whole Bullet Club uh, Civil War with him and Cody, which was a big story, which helped Ring of Honor get one of their biggest houses of the year um, at Supercard of Honor uh, in New Orleans. And he's like one of the few guys like that actually, like in the business of professional wrestling, right? The whole business that can literally show up to a card and move tickets no matter where you put them. You put right. them in fucking P- Poughkeepsie, New York uh, about two or three weeks ago, and they have a $100,000 gate, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, they uh, are the biggest gate in the history of that building. Ring- WWL's been going to that building since the fucking 90s. Ring of Honor, it's been forgotten now because so so many other shows surpassed it, but, like, they did their biggest gate ever with him at the top this past, you know, WrestleMania weekend. Um, He was part of All In. He's a rare attraction, and and the thing of rare attraction, and I remember when he was, when he came to Lakeland last year, right? I was bringing it up. It was like, we were standing in line, and I forgot who it was. It might have been somebody that was working the tickets or whatever, and then on one side, you had the Young Bucks, right? And then the other side, you had Kenny, and then, you know, this is all before the show starts. He described Kenny Omega as a once in a lifetime person who's like never around. So you might want to get in his line first. Yeah, and I listened. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Rich were like, yeah, we'll, we'll go to Omega first. Yeah, this is a once in a lifetime guy. Say what you want about his wrestling style, or he has plenty of detractors, but he has plenty of motherfuckers like me that will come on here until I'm blue in the face and argue <laughs> for this guy. Like, just being just the most I mean, spectacular dude, guy I've his, ever seen. His catchphrase is the closing of this show. Goodbye, good night, bang. I mean, this guy has a lot of influence. We're thinking about changing it, though. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's the thing with Kenny. So the big, some of the biggest attractions are either things that he's said in the media or him his lack of presence on the show, that sort of thing. But here's the thing with Kenny. Kenny is an attraction. Don't like, don't get it twisted. He might not be on every road to show and he might not be on every single cork and house show. But when Kenny shows up, Kenny always, 
always shows up. And he's there enough of the time of the year to where, like, you can't say, like, he's a Jericho-esque figure where he only shows up, you know, two or three times a year. I mean, he's there every single month. And, I mean, there's a reason he's the IWGP champion. I mean, look at some look at some of the matches he did this year. The Jericho match. He had all the, all the, the incredible... Uh, Golden Lovers matches the match with uh, the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the fucking year, he just decided, I'm just going to wake up and, and be part of the greatest tag team to ever live. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, the, the matches with Cody that occurred this year, the match with Okada, mm-hmm. his G1 run, which was just chock full of five stars and four star. That goes underrated. He had the same exact star rating average as Tomohiro Ishii, but due to that, the, the champion thing, and no, obviously the back. No. You're not gonna. No, people aren't gonna talk about no, it. No, Dave's just a mark. Dave was overrating certain Kenny matches. Which one? Yo, that Goto match is not five stars. But all right, we're, we're not. We're, we're not here. Yeah. Dude, star ratings. That's a whole another can of worms for us to debate. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, Kenny's had a great year. Kenny's had an incredible. Kenny's had an incredible year. Yeah. And then now we're getting ready to. We're anticipating his next business move. We're anticipating. The Tokyo Dome, him and Tanahashi. I mean, bro, like, yeah. Yeah, Maybe something at MSG. And here's the thing with Kenny. He's been at the top all year long. A lot of these guys have kind of ebbed and flowed and ebbed and flowed. Even when Kenny, even when Okada was at the top, it was like he was stealing the show and and featuring maybe arguably the biggest storyline every single card. And then once he got the title, he was at the top. He was at the top all G1. He's been at the top since the G1. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to deny how great a year Kenny, O's, Kenny Omega's had. Yeah, so uh, up next, the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay, the only junior heavyweight to make it on the Wrestler of the Year list this year. Um, Will is another guy that you look at his in-ring year. I mean, when we get to, you know, match of the year and junior match of the year, Oh, you're going to see Osprey, Osprey, Osprey. Excursion match of the year. You're going to see Osprey, Osprey, Osprey. This guy is an incredible talent and had an incredible in-ring year. Will Osprey opened a lot of eyes this year for people that... For Rich Latta. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I always knew Osprey was good, right? But my whole thing was I didn't think he was the most spectacular guy in the world because I thought that was Ricochet. Right. Always. Yeah. Like I'm like Ricochet's on a completely different level as a as an athlete. You put them both in the gym, Ricochet would smoke him. That being said, Osprey came into this year like I'm taking every, sort of like the Young Bucks. I'm taking everything people used to say about me and making that sound like a 2016 argument, making yeah. it sound like a 2015 argument. Because if you apply that stuff to him now, you sound ridiculous. Yeah. Mid up until about May, this guy was the no question wrestler of the year. Yeah, yeah. And that junior title run he had, and legendary. It, and I believe Osprey is like one of the only people that has won multiple wrestler of the months uh, awards that we've given out throughout the year. Only a few people have done it this year, and yeah, he's been at the top of. I'm pretty sure he's done it back to back. Yeah, he did do it back to back. Yeah. So I mean, the Hiromu matches, the Marty Skrull matches, the match with Okada, Kushida, that's uh, Matt Riddle at WrestleMania weekend. Yes, I mean, oh, if we oh start, I mean, if we start talking about the matches outside of New Japan, yeah, like, there's literally 
the Walter matches. There, there's literally oh so many gosh, matches. Yeah. It's just not even funny. But just, he, just, he was so raw this year. It looks like he about to graduate. Here's the thing. Yeah. like With these awards, we do try to relegate it primarily to just New Japan. So we don't want you to put too much strength. But we have to mention, obviously, what he has done outside of New Japan. But, I mean, not only that, but, like... He's an attraction as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he is an attraction. Um, what Rich said, I mean, prior to... Prior to the G1, it was undoubted that he was absolutely the wrestler of the year in New Japan and one of the top in the entire world. I mean, you know, because when you are the wrestler of the year in New Japan, in many cases, you are the de facto wrestler of the year in the entire <laughs> sport. Yeah. That's, that's what it means. That's yeah. how, how serious it is. And, um, yeah, I mean, so that's that's why we had to have Will Ospreay on here. I mean, he's had classic after classic after classic. Um, yeah, he's been incredible all year long, man. Then next up we have the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And go, go ace! Go ace! Yes. And you know, Tanahashi started off uh, Wrestle Kingdom facing off against Jay White. The match wasn't great. We thought Tanahashi was washed. But then Tanahashi was like, uh-uh-uh. Had that uh, incredible match with Suzuki. Tanahashi's very interesting. Because in some in some ways, like you get through to a certain point in the year, and you think there's no way he should be on this list, but then by the end of it, you look at his body of work, and you're like, "Wow, like this guy quietly put together like a Hall of Fame year. Like this has been incredible." You know what uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi is right now, and disregarding the rant I did that a lot of people tend to be fans of. Yes. So Hiroshi Tanahashi right now is kind of like what LeBron is in the NBA right now. Yes, the numbers still look the same. Like, when you talk about you look up, like, wow, he's, you know, he's still producing all on this level. The only thing is LeBron doesn't play defense anymore. The, the only thing is Tanahashi gets, gets busted up a lot, but, like, it doesn't matter. Like, right, right. <laughs> but and when you look at it, he still has the stats. He still has the, the five-star match streak that kept going this year. <laughs> you, you still have, obviously, the G1. If you're thinking about Tanahashi in a traditional sense against some of the other guys, I don't know. That's on you how you want to look at it. But you can. This guy has carried the company. People thought he was done, and all he's done is turn in another banner year. Right there, are people. If, if you you're know, coming out here hating on Tanahashi, something wrong with you. Right, I mean, you you hear the reaction that he gets when he comes out. I mean, grown men and women crying over him winning or losing a match. People want to get his sweat on their towels. <laughs> this guy is an idol in Japan, Japanese wrestling. Bro, he is an idol in Strong Style Studios. Yeah. I'm one of those people that like cries over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Bro. I don't even know why. Like he just brings it emotionally on another level like he's yes. he's taken what he's lost athletically and channeled it into something else storytelling those, emo- <laughs> those emotional matches are like lebron adding a post game so so here's the thing with with tanahashi when we when me and jeremy were discussing who should and should not be nominated for this there was a point where i did not think and i'm one of the biggest Tanahashi marks you will find. But correct me if I'm wrong, was I not saying that I thought that he probably didn't deserve to be on yeah, this early, list? Yeah, earlier in the process, where you were like, yeah, I don't know if Tanahashi deserves to be on this list. And it's just because we have so much respect for the, for like the, that the work rate and the, um, the level of, you know, de- like delivery that all these wrestlers have. But then when you look at Tanahashi's year and you look at the Suzuki matches and the magic he made there, you look at, 
that he he made it to the finals of the New Japan uh, <laughs> the New Japan Cup run, um, and every single match that he had during the New Japan Cup was like incredible, including the Zack Saber match. Mm-hmm. Then he had the storyline with 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 uh, with um, Okada, and when he lost Okada, we were like, "Oh, that's it, he's done." And then he comes into the G one. I gave him this glowing tribute after that first Okada match. Yeah, we gave him a tribute. Like, like, on, like on he's one done. Radio, like, yeah, that man might. Then we might never see that match again. We might never see him <laughs> challenge for the IWGP title again. Like uh, that shit was like a love letter to all of us. And then Tanahashi was like, "Well, uh, I'm about to go seven and one in the G one." <laughs> <laughs> did he go? How, how many matches did he win in the G one? Yeah, seven one and one. He yeah. was seven one and one. He only, wow. he only lost one match, and then he, drew, he had to draw off Okada. And then, yeah, and then after that, he had to beat Okada. He had to beat Jay White. And, like, he just quietly put together this incredible resume. Not to not to mention, like, the matches with Okada, but that match with uh, with Kota Ibushi at Sumo Hall and the emotion behind oh, it. Oh, man, yeah. So, like, from a from an actual a accomplishment. Budokan, yeah. Budokan, oh, from yeah. Budokan, yeah. From his accomplishments, him just coming back and winning the G1 for a third time alone is enough to get him in here. But when you look at his whole year, take away the, you know, the, um, all the, the different, like, uh, what are they called? All the injuries and the, the fact that he slowed down and all that. But you just look at what he's given us from a story perspective and in-ring perspective. It's like, wow. Like, he's like an inspirational, like, if this was a different sport, right, he would be getting written about in, like, USA Today as, like, an inspirational story. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. It, it's like, it's like Ali coming back and beating Foreman. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's incredible. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, obviously, we love Tanahashi, but, I mean, the, the, the one detraction is Tanahashi probably doesn't have as many top matches as the rest of these guys but his highest of highs it's very high really really high and he's done it as many times as as some of these other guys or more so so it's like i think that there's a good chance that he secretly just because the fact of what he's done this year and the fact he's at the top going into the tokyo dome next year i think he's gonna do very well just like he's gonna like he might not be here next year you never know it like the thing about dudes want to hit their 40s in all sports like they could have that one last great year and they just fall off a cliff yeah i I think tanahashi is gonna do very well in this voting yeah and then the last nominee the submission master, the pro wrestling master, ZSJ, Zack Saber Jr. And, you know, I gotta admit, I have not been the biggest Saber fan in the past. You know, he's a guy that you would read about in the newsletter all the time, winning, you know, best technical wrestler. You keep hearing about ZSA, ZSA. Uh, I was first really exposed to him in the Cruiserweight Classic, wasn't a big fan, but. When he came to New Japan, he opened my eyes to what he can do and just how great of a wrestler he really is. And, I mean, for a Gaijin wrestler, this guy has blazed a trail. And you look at his New Japan Cup run where he defeated Naito, he defeated Tanahashi, he defeated Sonata. He knocked out all these aces this year and was just consistently at the forefront on pretty much every show, every tournament this year. So I can look at Saber, and I'm, I echo um, 
Jeremy's sentiments of not being impressed with him in the Cruiserweight Classic, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is, this is just a bunch of wrist locks. I don't I don't understand this. But what this guy has done is this year is like he's become a guy that you almost don't want your favorite wrestler to wrestle in a, in a kayfabe sense. Like back in the day, I, I used to think of Psycho Sid that way. You didn't want your favorite wrestling him because it was going to be a tough night for your favorite because they're going to have to deal with a style that is unique mm-hmm. or just a, a, a presence like in Sid's case, right? But with Sabre, he makes people wrestle his style. And I think that's probably his best argument here. Uh, he was able to adapt that at a main event level yeah. uh, in New Japan. Here, here's the thing with, with Zach, and I think that um, not to – obviously – Rich, you would say that you probably, with this product, you know, you tune in mostly for, like, the bigger shows, that sort of thing. It's not like, you know... What do you mean? I've been watching World Tag League. <laughs> no, I'm proud of you, bro. What, but, I mean, like, you know, you're not watching, like, Road to Destruction Tour. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, but, like, the tours that this guy shows up on... I think that I used to kind of have a similar opinion to to you guys in some aspects where I, what I used to think was this because I'd seen Zack Sabre outside of New Japan and I'd seen some of his highly recommended stuff and I was like he's great and then I'd seen stuff where it was lackluster and I just I had this opinion like he only showed up when he wanted to but this year watching him I'm realizing like dude he's tailor made for New Japan and it's not like just that he has a like a tough style or he's not everyone's cup of tea like he's freaking incredible he's incredible like he he has literally turned me into a fan of of, of everything that he does and here's the thing about him he's a killer yeah he's literally like aside from Minoru Suzuki like he's one of the most believable killers in New Japan like, you don't want your favorite wrestlers to fight that dude like yeah. he'll, 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 he'll stretch him, him. break him strike him give me your arm <laughs> give me your arm and stretch him <laughs> <laughs> but he's had and the thing is it's like Zach has had incredible matches all year long with Naito with Kenny with with, dude, er, with Yano everything in the New Japan Cup his his run in the uh, in the G one him and Okada yeah him and Okada heck right now he's one of the standouts in the World Tag League yeah him and Taichi he's making me, he's making me like Taichi again yeah he Saber uh, I mentioned this um, I don't know if I'm on the show or it's me and you talking I mean Saber has been the, the tournament king this year yeah the G, the G one New Japan Cup World Tag League now all these tournaments that he's in he's he's been the, it. he's been the most consistent guy amongst all the major tournaments all year long um, and then. And the thing is, is like last year he was a guy that was part time. He was very rarely here. When he was here, he was pushed. But I mean, he was essentially viewed at being at like the never level, the goto level. You know, the, sh- <laughs> the goto level. <laughs> and he went from being someone in the never le- level to literally being. Oh, he can be the IWGP champion. That is a level that not many guys can actually get to, especially being like a, a, a gaijin with very little experience in the company like this. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's no denying that like Zach has got to be one of our top guys. Yeah. So that wraps up for Wrestler of the Year. That went a little long, but yeah. I, oh yeah, I think I, I think it was totally worth it though. Every guy earned their time. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, next up, we have the match of the year uh, category. So our nominees, we have Omega vs. Jericho from Wrestle Kingdom 12, Young Bucks vs. Golden Lovers from Strong Style Evolved, Tanahashi vs. Okada from Wrestling Dantaku, Omega vs. Okada from Dominion, 
Omega vs. Naito from day two of the G1 Climax. Ibushi vs. Ishii from day 10 of the G1 Climax. Omega vs. Ishii from day 14 of the G1 Climax. Omega vs. Ibushi from the B Block Final in the G1 Climax. Tanahashi vs. Ibushi from the uh, Finals from the G1 Climax. And Tanahashi vs. Okada from the Destruction in Kobe. So, so one thing I want to say here is when we did the match of the year, believe it or not, the deliberation was not that difficult for us. I believe last year when we started this process, we were like, okay, here's the five stars. Here's the four and three quarter stars. Here's the four and a half. Four and a half. We had this really long list and we were like, we got to get it down to 10. And it was really hard for us, but we got it down. This year we're like, okay, here's the five star matches. Here are the four and three quarter and four and a half, but we're just going to cut them right away. Here's the five star matches. Now let's get that down to ten. Yes, there was a a plethora of five star, and if you believe in the above five star and matches, and I do, <laughs> you are number tonight, John. <laughs> we had a seven star match on this list. Yes, like the, the match quality this year was incredible. Yeah, there's definitely been criticisms about the direction of the company in different aspects. But one thing that nobody can deny is that the match quality has just been at an all-time level in New Japan. I mean, I don't, I can't think of too many time periods in any company where there's been this many great matches in the same calendar year. Um, obviously, we can't sit here and do a rundown of every single match. But I do want to say that, in my opinion, there is nothing on this list, and I mean this wholeheartedly with no with no doubt there's nothing on that list that is less than five stars yeah so in any year in almost any company ever in history any one of these matches could be match of the year yeah um i I really love the g1 finals i love the dominion match i loved uh, like uh alpha versus omega for for example right if if you look at it right there like you know and I hate to bring up Hulk Hogan because, like, fuck Hulk Hogan. But he had a line in his promo, like, without me, you people wouldn't be here. Yeah. Alpha versus Omega was a lot of that. for this. It was another entry point for New Japan for, for a lot of folks. Yeah. Bucks and Lovers, tag team, storytelling, and athletic brilliance. Uh, Tanahashi versus Okada, emotional classic, first one. Omega Okada redefines the sport. Uh, Naito versus uh, versus Omega. This is like part two of their match from last year, just like a speed, you know, clinic essentially. Ibushi and Ishii. My God, I wrote a that match was so incredible, right? On my regular WWE podcast, I went ahead and wrote a move for move recap and and said it like and, and threw my jokes in and everything like that. That's one of the most violent matches I've ever seen. Um, Omega and Ishii from day fourteen. I believe I believe was it Kenny who had the bloody mouth? Yeah, that one. Yep, yep. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Omega and Ibushi break the scale. And it looks like they're holding back still. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, obviously, you got the G1 Finals. Also, I feel like another sport redefining uh, match, the best of an emotional type match. And then the last Tanahashi and Okada match is just like, that wraps up the trilogy. Here's how crazy it was with Tanahashi and Okada. They had three matches, and we had to decide which of the three wasn't 
the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, we actually didn't want to do repeat matches, but their matches were so good that we're like, there's no way we can leave one of these, like, you know, we can do less than two Tanahashi Okada matches. So, I mean, um, Jeremy, any final thoughts on this? Because I think think Rich did an awesome job. Yeah, Rich did an awesome job. And, like, once again, like we mentioned... Look at look at the guys in this match. All these guys are in the wrestler of the year category. Yep. It just shows you what an incredible year these guys have had. And so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys, the listeners, um, end up voting as match of the year. Because I mean, any one of these matches literally could win. The yep. thing is too is like you know even if you as a voter go through and you already have an idea what you're gonna do and you already know. This list is like a celebration of the the year that was 2018 in New Japan. I mean, just seeing this list makes me feel proud. Like, you know, well, you have to cherish it. And for a long time this year, I thought pretty much what like 2017. I was such a fan of. I felt like it was this all time great year we'd never see again. And I put it on this pedestal. That I feel like it took a while for 2018 to get there. And once it did, it was like we're here now. <laughs> but they were it's going like, up hey. the mountain for a while, right? Yeah, and it was yeah. like I don't know. This year feels kind of slow. And I was beating that drum. Yeah, like, you were, I don't yeah. know, Chief. <laughs> like, it, like it, it's just hard. Just the law of averages. Like, me, bro, it can't be that great again. Me, me and and then it were ended like, up. We're like, it's really, 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 really good. And then all of a sudden, the G1 happened. And we're like, see, we told you, Rich. Like, it's yeah, really, really good. Yeah. So, like, I, I, you know, I think they just pretty much put it in a different order this year. But I, I feel like it got on par with 2017. All right. So that we're going to move on to show of the year. We have Wrestle Kingdom 12, New Beginning in Osaka, Sakura Genesis, Best of the Super Junior Night 13, Dominion, G1 Special in San Francisco, G1 Climax Night 4, G1 Climax Night 14, G1 Climax B Block Finals, and Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Yeah, so show of the year is, uh, it's one of my favorite, like, categories that we do just because the fact that... New Japan has awesome shows all yes. the time. They have yes. awesome shows yes. all the time. Like I can't tell you how many times I end up watching a, a New Japan show and I get done watching it and I'm like, I feel so good. I feel so <laughs> happy. I cannot wait to record it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's why I just I love this. And I mean, there's definitely some standout nights here. And and look at all these G1 nights, man. And I mean, we had to cut a bunch of G1. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is an, again, it's a similar category to match of the year where we have a bunch of great stuff that you really have to get down and get granular to cut um, shows off the list. For me, I think you got one, maybe two all-time shows on the, on here, and you've got just tons to choose from for your second or third place voting. But I, think, I think you'd be surprised. There's actually some some lower key shows too. Um, that when you actually look at it on paper and you look at the match ratings, like there are some sleeper shows here that deserve every bit as much accolade as some of the other shows. One one show I want to throw out there just to kind of sing its praises, Best of the Super Juniors Night 13 is like this unheralded night that not a lot of people talked about, but it's like one of the best nights of wrestling I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was great. It's, it, it's nothing but literally singles matches. How often do we get singles matches in New Japan? Singles. <laughs> singles. <laughs> and, you know, it was the culmination of the best of the Super Junior. It wasn't the finals, but it was the determining night for the finals. And it was like every guy went out there determined to steal the show. So we ended up with like, f- what? I don't even remember how many matches. 10, 12 matches where everybody was trying to blow each other away. The matches were incredible. Like, that's one that, like, I think is just awesome um you've got other nights too like for instance 
New Beginning in Osaka and Sakura Genesis where they might not be as big as some of the big shows like like Dominion or, or Wrestle Kingdom but we had incredible title defenses the, uh, that was when uh, Osprey was making his mark and putting on the incredible junior matches too so we're getting double whammy we were getting the Okada title defenses as well as the Osprey matches plus you know incredible undercards underneath that as well so I think that those need to be kind of paid attention to and then um some of the other shows that might not like might seem a little suspicious being on here because they got a lot of heat was the U.S. shows. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pulling up the card for uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed, and you know there's a lot of people that were complaining about the number of U.S. talent on there, but overall it was another great show. Uh, main evented with uh, Golden Lovers against Okada and Ishii. You had the big defining moment of Juice Robinson finally winning a uh, title and defeating Cody. Um, you had the, the continuation of the Civil War with G.O.D. and the Young Bucks. Another great Skrull and Osprey match. Um, so there were- Cody won that match. Juice won the belt from Jay. At uh, oh, that's right. San Francisco. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, that's right. My bad. You're right. Cody. Yeah, Cody won the match, but it was still a great uh, match for Cody and Juice. Both both U.S. shows, the G1 Special in San Francisco and Fighting Spirit Unleashed, did get flack for different reasons. But regardless of what your criticisms might be about it, top to bottom, as a well-paced and spaced-out wrestling show with different you know features and things like that and satisfying finishes, these mat these shows deliver on just as high a level as any other wrestling show that you can see in the world today. I mean, those shows are incredible. Yeah. Match quality wise. So the G1 Climax Night 4 is the Omega Goto, Naito Ishii, Ibushi Robinson, Saber Yano, Sonata Tematongo Night. Yes. So and then I'm looking up for, Night 14 right now just for reference on that. Yeah, those G1 Nights, the only drawback that someone might make about them is the fact that... The undercards are the tag matches. Yeah. However, this year the tag matches typically tended to deliver pretty high, especially on the these nights that we picked specifically. Mm-hmm. But dude, these G one nights that we picked out, night four, night fourteen, in the final B, B block finals, you, you're going to be hard pressed to find anything that didn't deliver on a super high level. I mean, these were nights where you got multiple close to five-star matches every single one of those cards. So night 14 was Ibushi Naito, Ishii Omega, uh, Saber, uh, Robinson, Goto, Tamatonga, and Sonata and Yano. Yep, yep. And that, that man, so much good stuff on there. And then, you know, there's the, the, the two biggest shows that, uh, you know, that are on here is going to be Dominion and um, Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. They, they always do well in the voting, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. And I mean, two all-time shows. You know, uh, last year, Wrestle Kingdom won show of the year, right? Yeah. And, you know, usually, you know, obviously it's the WrestleMania of New Japan. A lot of people, you know, people usually end up voting for that. But, I mean, I, I really think Wrestle Kingdom 12 is going to have a hard time running, yeah, running, away with, <laughs> running away with the award this year. I think it's going to it's gonna still do very, very well. And, I mean, it has every chance in the world to win. But this is, the, this is like the first year where it's like a tight race. It's not like, oh, Wrestle Kingdom is for sure gonna like be you but know if you put them down both on paper that's tough yeah but here's the thing you put any of these nights down on paper and you, you actually have a tough night believe it or not but like Wrestle Kingdom Okada and uh, Naito at the top Jericho and and Omega 
Um, the multi man match with the juniors. Um, what else happened? Um, Suzuki and Goto. 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 Yeah. I mean, Okada or um, Ibushi and and Cody. I mean, there was so much good stuff there. And then, yeah, Dominion was like an all time show. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the two out of three falls it's, match with with uh, Kenny and Okada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gonna be a tough show. I mean, a tough race for a show of the year. Uh, so next up, we have the Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. Our nominees are the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori, Kushida, Will Osprey, the villain Marty Skrull, Sho, and Hiromu Takahashi. I know who ain't the junior of the year, and that's Dragon Lee for taking away Takahashi. <laughs> but um, I think Takahashi was on the way, um, and, and he definitely has earned, like, it was a situation like we talked about with Okada earlier. Like, if he just dropped off the face of the earth, he would still be on the voting. I think that's the case for uh, Romu here. This is a here, this is a category. Here's the thing about Hiromu. Hiromu was only here until, what, June, July? Yeah. yeah. He might win this. Yeah. If, if, yeah. if people are objective and actually look at the body of work, look at his best of the Super Juniors run. It was incredible. It was incredible. I mean, literally incredible. Um, it did seem before the best of the Super Juniors that Will Ospreay... I mean, anyone who was watching the product, I mean, it's no secret Will Ospreay was the premier guy in the division. Suddenly, Hiromu turns around and has this... Starts coming. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know, you know, I don't know where we're at with this sort of stuff, but like... Hiromu won the best of the Super Juniors. He had classic matches with every single guy on, on this list almost. He had classic matches with. And then after that, he goes to Dominion and he lists the title off of Will Ospreay. Mm-hmm. He goes to the Cow Palace and has an incredible match with uh, with Dragon Lee where, yes, he does get his neck broken. He still wins the match and he still finishes on his feet. Um, just incredible stuff from Hiromu, man. Yeah, then you got a guy like uh, Sho, which people might question, but... yeah. Um, show has been kind of the standout of the Rapungi 3K team. Don't get me wrong, Yo is awesome too, but Show has definitely elevated his game from last year, and then especially in his best of the Super Junior run, uh, this guy was great. With his you know his match of Kushida, one of his standout matches. His match with Dragon Lee. Dragon, the Dragon Lee match, and now we've been seeing this rivalry with him and Shingo Takagi building up, which has been incredible. Show has just been on another level this year. Are they going to be like a uh, night one, like, um, like best of super juniors match next year. It needs to be. I don't know, but here, here's the other thing too is show. And one thing I think people should take into consideration. I think everyone is like, oh well, it's junior of the year, so they only want to factor in what they've done in the singles division. But look at what Rapongi 3K has accomplished as a junior team. Shout look, out to Yo too. Yeah, and look at their matches with the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Like those are among the best. Like, I think those matches. matches get forgotten about. Incredible stuff. Um, show one another reason that we have to kind of nominate Show is because he was able to differentiate himself as being just one of these pretty young, flashy young guys that was just under Rocky to like, oh, he's he's for real. And now when people talk about Show, they talk about him being a, a heavyweight in the future and being like a future star, the same way they do about Hiromu. So I mean, absolutely. I think anyone who thinks he shouldn't be on this, like. Were you consistently watching this, and are you taking these other parts into consideration? Because Show has every much right to be here as the rest of these guys. Um, let's talk about Marty Skrull and uh, you know Kushida for a minute. Yeah, so Marty Skrull um, 
had some incredible matches this year with Will Ospreay. When he was put into big title matches, he definitely delivered. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of his, some of the kind of the like, road to show, like the undercard stuff, he was kind of there, but when it was time to put on the, a big match on the big show, Marty Skrull showed up and showed out. I think your your argument, if you're a Marty Skrull voter, you're going to point to those matches with Osprey where he looks like a fucking killer. And, yes. And the match that he lost to Osprey, I believe he lost them both, right? Uh, no, he lost the first one, and did he? He won the second he won one. The yeah, second. Okay. yeah. He lost the first one, right? And the whole time after, we were like, wow, Marty should have won. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it was like, and, and of course, you know, he, he falls uh, guilty, I think, of doing his shtick sometimes. Right. And I think that's tiresome for some folks. But if you're a Marty voter, like, you're going to be like, hey, I can point to these classics that he has. I can point to his gimmick being very over in and out of New Japan in just being a guy that is a junior for now. I could definitely see him graduating as well. Well, Marty Marty has to be on this list because of those those Osprey classics. Right. But he also had a, a very good uh, best but, super. Yeah, he was run. in that in that B block that was, uh, was a banger him, block. Him and Hiromu had had excellent matches. So I mean, you act you absolutely have to consider Marty. Plus, was Marty not the champion going into? Wrestle Kingdom this past year? Yeah, he was. So, yeah. I mean, he is also the champion during the calendar year as well. And I think every champion that was IWGP Junior Champion was nominated for this award. So. I, I know we're not weighing excursion stuff too much, but, I mean, the match with Okada at All In. Yes. Oh, excellent. He was one of the top. Uh, and, and Okada didn't send him to 205 Live. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and the business that he's obviously doing. Right. I mean, yes. Bill and stuff is constantly the number one seller in pro wrestling tees. Um, he's been a top guy for Ring of Honor this year. If you're a Marty guy, those are your arguments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then uh, you mentioned Kushida. He, he's a guy that's usually uh, on, on the back burner on certain parts of the year, and this was no different. A lot of this year, uh, Kushida was kind of in the background. But when he was pushed to the front, he showed out. Um, once again, he was in that B block in the best of the Super Juniors, having incredible matches. He was in the four-way at Wrestle Kingdom. Dude, Kushida, during the best of the Super Juniors, had the best tournament of anybody in the tournament that wasn't named Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah. Like, we, like people weren't talking about it as much because Hiromu was such a bright, shining star. But who did he have to beat on the final night to go to the finals? It was Kushida. And Kushida never fails to deliver. He is, in my opinion, one of, if not the most consistent junior in the entire company. That's why they keep going to the well with him, because he's always there, because he's always, like, right at the very, very, very right. top. And he's now, the dude all these stars are orbiting around. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, once again, he's the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He's going into the Dome. He won the, yeah, he won the Junior, the championship title tournament at the second half of the year. Um, he had multiple title shots this past year. I mean, like, so you have to consider Kushida. Yeah, and then we got the uh, the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori. Uh, this guy came in. There were several vignettes. We were worried about you know who this, who this Bone Soldier was going to be. Was it going to be Captain New Japan again? But it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Taiji Ishimori. This guy came in first night in the company. Attacks Will Osprey, beats Will Osprey the first night on the A block in the best of the Super Junior, and then he was one of the standouts on the A block in that whole tournament. Um, you know now he's a co-holder of the Never Six Man uh, titles, um, and he's just been having great matches. I mean the that match with um, 
Romu in the in the, in fin- the finals. Yeah. He's just one of the most creative guys that I feel like I've ever seen. Um, I remember the first time I saw that sliding German suit. Oh, I love yes. It. I love it. I yes. was like, how do you sit around and just invent that? Like, because <laughs> when you think, oh, we've seen it all. The, you know, a hundred years of wrestling, we, we've seen every move you can do. I had never seen that before. Here's the thing with Ishimori. Ishimori is a guy that should not be a, a heel in any sense. If you've ever seen his baby face work, you're like, this guy is... You know, Ricky Steamboat. Like, there's no reason that he should actually be, you know, a heel. But he's still able to, with an incredible moveset, tweak things and become a heel. And not in the Kanemaru sense and not in the Desperado sense where he dulls what he can do in his abilities. <laughs> he is literally still the most – one of, if not the most exceptional guy in the company and he can get the entire crowd to hate him. It is a wonder that he is not over like Rover. People boo this man and he's like a talented dynamo in Marvel in the ring and it's because his character work is so good and because he's so smart of a worker. He is what I want my heels to be. None of this, yeah, I'm gonna just do nothing. Like, (laughs) I mean, that angle where he came out with the crutch and pretended like he was still hurt. Oh my gosh. Attack Kushida, like, the crowd like lost their mind like wanting to kill that. And another thing we got to keep in consideration, too, is like, you know, I know that the junior division is not the deepest division in the entire roster, but there's other guys that were here all year that could have potentially been on this list. Ishimori didn't show up till May. Yeah. And after the best super juniors, we didn't see him for a while. He's been pretty inconsistent as far as being in the company. And, you know, some people might have him ranked above even people that are on this same list. Like, so, I mean, that's got to tell you something about the kind of year that Ishimori's had. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are the nominees for Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. Did we even talk about Will Ospreay? Or I guess we just got Well, yeah, we did. Well, we talked about him earlier in Wrestler of the Year. I mean... I don't think there's pretty much any more anything else to add. I mean, yeah, we said right. everything we could. When we were raw. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, tag team of the year. We have. We should call this the Road Warriors Tag Team of the Year Award. I mean, why would we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Who have they ever beat? <laughs> uh, so, we have Evil and Sonata from LIJ. Golden Lovers, Omega Nabushi, Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Kanemaru and El Desperado representing Suzuki Goon, Rapungi 3K, Show and Yo, and Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. So just kind of going down a, a quick list of some of these guys' escalates. Evil and Sonata ended up winning the World Tag League at the end of the calendar year. Last year, they won the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championships at the beginning of the year at the Tokyo Dome and defended it all the way through Dominion. Golden Lovers, although they were nowhere near the title picture, they dominated the major storylines of the year and had some of the best... It's um, tag team wrestling into a main event thing. Yeah, they, they literally were headlining shows and, and became the main event. Two of the biggest stars, two guys that are, that are nominated for Wrestler of the Year as singles, but also based off what they did as, as, uh, you know, as a tag team. And... One of the biggest drawing acts in all of wrestling right now as a tag team. G.O.D., these guys were in the mix all year. They were in the finals of the World Tag League last year. They ended up uh, eventually winning not only the um, IWGP Heavyweight Championships from the Young Bucks uh, you know, just a few months back. They also... Uh, dominated the trios title scene for most of the year, whether it was with Ishimori or whether it was with Fale. And they 
since the G1 have amassed an incredible undefeated record. I mean, they've been defeating every single team in the entire company. So it's been pretty – the run that they've been on has been awesome. Canemar and Desperado have just – completely dominated the junior division as far as the title uh, the title picture goes um, they are one of the longest historical uh, junior championship reigns in history I think they've got four or five def- defenses under their belt and um, you know even if there are people who aren't fans of the style of wrestling that they do the numbers speak for themselves they've been on a, on a winning streak all year Rapungi 3k while they have come up short they've been chasing Desperado and Kanemaru all year while also honing their craft and they've been the shining stars of every single multi-man match that they've been in. They've elevated their game all throughout the year. They had an incredible series of matches with the Young Bucks at the beginning beginning of the year and they have been multiple time junior tag team champions in this year as well as last year. And then finally the Young Bucks, you know, the number one rated tag team in the entire world. I mean, you know, going into the half point of the year because of how many big performances and big matches they had, we were considering making them wrestler of the year nominees as a tag team. That's how good they were. Yeah. So, I mean, and not only that, but they were junior tag team champions this year. They moved up to the heavyweight ranks and broke tradition and won the, uh, the IWGP heavyweight championships while they were also holding the trios uh, champions. They were champions outside of the company at ring of honor um, so, I mean, you know, and their popularity, the business that they do, it all speaks for themselves. So, I mean, you have a loaded field in the tag team division this year. Excellent wrap up. Um, I, I think the Bucks um, from I think you framed it well, like they have a great junior feud, they have a great heavyweight feud, and then they have some shit they did with the Golden Lovers. That's just like <laughs> we ain't ever seen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I'm. Yeah, and Evil and Sonata were were uh, excellent heavyweight traditional tag team right. um, this and, year. And, you know their their run got hurt with the um, was it who, who was hurt? Was it Evil? Evil got, yeah, Evil got injured. Evil's injury. But if Evil wasn't injured, I feel like they were planning a, a big run for them. You know, trying to make them the top Japanese tag team in the division. And now we're seeing the and world... And it seems like they still are. Yeah, in the, in the World Tag League right now, it seems like they're pushing Evil and Sonata once again to be in that spot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those guys are having a great year now. And so, yeah, so that's going to wrap up the Tag Team of the Year. This one, I'm, I'm very interested just to see what happens because you have kind of like your traditional... You know, the, the tag teams that have been consistent all, all year, like Evil Sonata, G.O.D., Kanemaru, Desperado, Rapongi 3K. And then you have these two attractions in the Golden Lovers and the Young Bucks who mm. they kind of exist in their own world, it seems like, apart from the other, you know, the rest of the tag teams in the division. Yeah. And uh, last, last year, the Young Bucks won our Tag Team of the Year award. And uh, I didn't think they should right, have. Right, you were pissed year. about that. There's very few times I disagree. Like you know, there's many votes where it could go one way or the other. But I was firmly, firmly in the camp that believed that it was uh, War Machine's year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was no denying it in my mind. But obviously, there's no denying the popularity of the Bullet Club brand and logo and everything of that nature. So the Bucks ended up winning it this year. The Bucks have. In my opinion, a greater like they they've had a better year this year than they did Last in year. 2017. Yeah. But it does seem like I'm not so sure that they just run away with this thing because look at this field. Yeah, it's I mean there's some it's, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. 
Um, so next up, we have the Carl Gotch Woo. Strong Style Award. Our nominees are Hiroki Goto, Toa Hanare, Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Zack Sabre Jr., and Minoru Suzuki. Yes, so if you folks are not familiar with this award, this was one that we uh, came up with last year, and it's one of my favorite uh, categories we do. So it's the Carl Gotch Strong Style Award. Wrestler of the Year Award. So the idea here is the guy that exemplifies strong style in whatever sense that means to you the most. Um, for instance, last year, Katsuyura Shibata was the winner of the Strong Style Wrestler of the Year, the Carl Gotch Award. And so these are the guys that represent the you know hard-hitting, the strong, the determinate, the submission-based wrestling style that, that defines you know, New Japan and their sports-centric you know centric nature. Yeah, I mean, there's also another part to that award, like people that are pretty that will bust you in the mouth. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and that you don't want to run it with. Yeah, I mean, these are the guys that want the smoke, the kicks, the elbows, the knees, the headbutts, the submissions, (laughs) the stretches, all of it. Yeah, I mean, a guy that you know kind of pops out for me, Toa Hanare. This was a guy. He was a young lion that uh, eventually got moved up. This guy going head to head with Tomohiro Ishii multiple it. nights on these road two shows. When you saw that, it was like something's happening here. I don't know exactly what, but that guy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that guy wanted to smoke with Ishii. He earned his spot on this list. So it's like it's like you go to a new neighborhood or a new school. Like what's the thing you do? You go up to the toughest guy and you punch him in the face. Like that's what like Till Hanaro was doing. Yeah. Um, so obviously I've got, you know, Minoru Suzuki. I'll talk about him for just a moment. So, I mean, Suzuki was, I mean, how old is Suzuki right now? He's in his fifties. Who knows? Who knows? Well, he's at least 50. Yes. And, you know, Suzuki was so believable out here that like when he defeated Tanahashi, I was like genuinely concerned for Tanahashi's well-being and his health. He wrecked Tanahashi. Yeah. He destroyed him. He destroyed Goto and during the match. Oh my God. 12. Yo, he really like yeah. Goto had like a hematoma over his eye. Like, like yeah, dude. Suzuki is one of these 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 people that when he comes in there, like he looks like he can destroy you and just straight up kill you. Bro, Minoru Suzuki sat down and and put that chair down and cut his own hair. That was like one of the toughest things I've seen this year. Yes. Um, he walks around with those squiggly lines in his head, <laughs> and nobody like. And I know Tamatonga said that, but he said that from the safety of the internet. Yeah. He didn't say that to his face. <laughs> um, let's talk about Goto for a moment. Yeah. Um, once again, we mentioned the Wrestle Kingdom match with Suzuki. I mean, that was one of the most violent, hardest hitting, bloody brawls of the year. Go- Goto for you can say what you want about Goto. Obviously, he didn't you know qualify for our wrestler of the year but he absolutely qualifies for this uh award look at the the long list of hard-hitting matches that he's had this year with ishii with juice robinson abushi abushi my god he's had so many wars that like he epitomizes this style like he's been carrying around the never title for the majority of the year and like as long as that title's been on him, it is pretty much the strong style world championship because yeah. that's the style match, the Haas fight match that, you know. Oh, and don't forget the Michael Elgin match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this guy's had, had bangers all year. Um, two guys that um, are not traditionally tied to this sort of style, but I think that you guys could probably take it. 
Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi. Let's talk about why they, they are, you know, nominated here. So I'll start with Zack Sabre Jr. And Rich kind of mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Sabre is he's the guy that you don't want your favorite wrestler to wrestle because he's going to hurt them. Um, Sabre, he implements a lot of, of submission and grappling base, almost like MMA style in his wrestling. And he will literally destroy people with these submissions. I mean, the, the matches with Ishii, this guy, he tapped out passed out Ishii um, throughout this year. In the same calendar year, he tapped him out, passed him out. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy, he, he's literally, he's gonna stretch you, he's going, any any way he can do it, any limb he can grab, he's gonna stretch you, he's gonna break you. And not only does he have a submission, he, he can brawl the uppercuts, the PKs, the kicks, the elbows, he finds ways to hurt you. He tapped out Minoru Suzuki, or he tapped out Hiroshi Tanahashi this year, something yeah. that Minoru Suzuki couldn't do. He was able to, um, after, not only that, there was someone else he beat, uh, oh, K- Kota Ibushi. Uh, yeah. He got a ref stoppage on Kotobushi. So Zach is a guy who is so believable. Like he, he might not be known as a, as much of a heavy hitter as some of these other guys, but he's someone that goes in there and picks guys apart to the point where they look like they sh- they're outclassed and outgunned, and he stops them. Yeah. And there's very few people who stop people in wrestling, and he stops people. Yeah. And if I can speak about Ibushi real quick, there's this thing called Murder Coda that they talk <laughs> about, right? It's like there's a switch that gets hit, and this dude becomes a master of another style not only the aerial ability not only the phenomenal um you know displays of heart that and you know but he has a whole nother side of him that will just bust you in the face and he will take those slaps as well and invites you for more and when I watch Ibushi matches, you never know which one you're going to get, but you're never disappointed by it. And when you get that strong style Kota Ibushi match, that's what made the G1 final so great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, for all our anime fans, Kota Ibushi reminds me a lot of Goku from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> he kind of goes out there at first and is kind of playful in the fights. And then he gets to the point where he gets so pissed off, he's going Super Saiyan and he's just going to destroy you. Absolutely. I think Kotobushi sometimes gets overlooked when it comes to this because he's not necessarily strictly associated with that style, but he's no- a pretty boy that's like the toughest dude in the room. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he's crazy. Um, and then finally there's Tomohiro Ishii, which we've said everything that there is to say about Tomohiro Ishii. I think he's definitely one of the guys that that has yeah. a, a great shot at winning this. Um, Ishii just kills people. He is smaller than every single person in the heavyweight division, including Zack Sabre Jr. But he feels like the and biggest. he feels like he's the biggest guy. And he is violence personified. Headbutts, elbows, enziguris, lariats that chops to the throat. I mean, my God. Um, he's just violent. He's just yeah. a violent man. There's a there's a rapper named Bad Guy that not too many people know and it, it, the bad the, guy the bad guy I've showed you guys him, but <laughs> and you guys might want to check him out if you want some like you know laughs and all that but he had this line is like you think I give a damn about me <laughs> that's what Tomohiro Ishii wrestles <laughs> yes, like you yes. think I give a damn about myself like right. I will hurt you yes. and hurt myself in the process yeah, oh to God. hurt you. That's Ishii. Dude, that Ishii Elgin match from the New Japan Cup. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think that's like the that might be one of the best matches no one will ever talk about outside of this year. Well, we're but, gonna, but we we're, know We're going to talk about it. It's, yeah. it's on our other list. But, okay. Uh, but, yes, um, Ishii had violent match after violent match after violent match all year. Like, 
he's he's probably like if not my favorite guy in New Japan. Yeah. So yeah, that wraps up Carl, the Carl Gott Strong Style Award. Next, we have the feud of the year. Big one. So we have Omega Jericho, Tanahashi Okada. We have the Omega Cody Civil War. We have Suji and Umura, Jay White and Okada, and Lij and Suzuki Goon. So feud of the year is always a kind of a difficult task when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily guided by the same sort of you know uh, parameters that say a, a classic Western company because the way they present this product is different. Um, so there isn't as many like vignettes and you know promo spots and things of that nature. So a lot of it, you don't get feuds that are like three months with guys like facing each other back to back to back multiple weeks. Right. So with that, you know, you kind of have to take a few different things into perspective when when talking about the feud of the year. The other thing as well is like there are some feuds that we'll talk about the rest of these, but there are some feuds that got left off here. One that I think. A lot of people are probably expecting is the OG Bull Club versus the Elite, <laughs> which Bro, we, were, we dropped that so we dropped fast it because literally it became not a feud. Um, it started with literally they actually had two or three of the best like uh, what do you want angles. to angles angles yeah. since um, since the Cow Palace show they've had three angles that you could literally be like those are some of the best angles of the year. But in New Japan, to have a feud of the year, you need to pay it off with matches. And we've gotten zilch, zero, nothing, nada. So it's not on the list. Right. Uh, but however, we did put in the Omega Cody Civil War because that had a clear beginning, a clear end. And there were several matches within that war. Not just Omega Cody, but Cody and Ibushi, um, Omega and Hangman Page, the, uh, the Golden, Lovers. The Golden Lovers. Yeah, so there are several matches within this Omega Cody Bullet Club Civil War that actually had a beginning and end when Omega beat Cody. Um, what was that G One Special in San Francisco? Yeah, that that story ended there, and him and Cody became cool and went and moved on. Yeah, so I mean that that is a feud that dominated. You had to pick a side on that shit. Yeah, right. It, it straight dominated the storylines and and everything that that was going on in New Japan this past year. So I mean, uh, it's absolutely got to be up there as one of the the feuds of the year. Um, let's talk about Omega Jericho because this is an interesting one. A lot of times in New Japan, for something to be considered a feud of the year, it's got to have. It can't just be a blow off for one match. It's got to kind of have a running theme, multiple matches, because that's kind of how things are done there. Mm-hmm. But Omega Jericho was such a big feud and such a big deal, even though it only had the one match. It busted in the – it was another entry point, as I right. talked about earlier. It exploded the New Japan World subscriptions. It got people talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. It exploded the indie scene again. Like, yes. like it was at a certain level, and then once someone like Jericho came in, it create it. It, it was like throwing gas on a fire mm-hmm. with, with Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega was so much bigger than Omega versus Jericho, if you know what I mean yeah, by yeah. that. And that's not to take away from the match, which was like great with, yeah. with Jericho reaching into Terry Funk. 
Terry Funk yeah, territory. Jericho was able to redefine himself once again and keep himself relevant for another year. And 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 here's the thing with all this: it's not just the match, it's not just the business, but it's the build. It started all the way back last we year. We never thought it would happen. We never thought it happened at Power Struggle when he showed up on the screen and all that. And then we thought we were just getting a classic match. Fast forward to World Tag League Finals when he came and he attacked him in Fukuoka and he attacked Don Callis and then the at the uh, the press conference when Kenny Omega shows up with a bandage wrapped around <laughs> yeah. his head and and everything it, it, it's Memphis it's Mid South it's you know Magnum and Tully it's everything from these blood feuds of the eighties and it is something completely unique to New Japan I mean and their promos in that feud were incredible both yes. sides Jericho talking about how Kenny had very good New Japan style. style yes that's like a running gag with all of us yeah Chris Jericho has war, war style, style WCW style. WWE style, style. Yeah. CMLL style. Yeah. Like he's like I have. He's like I'm a master of all the styles, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jericho, oh, oh, Jericho and Omega's got to be considered. Um, Dude, let, let's talk about Suji and Yumora. This is probably oh. the dark horse here, but these guys have had what over fifteen or fifteen singles matches that have all been draws and they've all been awesome. Bro, I remember the first time I saw one of those, right? And I think it was over here with you guys. You guys knew the finish. I didn't. I was popping left and right like, oh my god, what's about to happen? Oh, it's a draw. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, Rich, these are, these are the guys that had that crazy match before. And I was like, oh, okay. Now the gimmick is like, okay, they have a draw and the day one of them wins it's the be- crowd is going to lose it yeah yes. and every match has get, gets better and better uh, these are two of the newer newer young lines this year and you know Suji um, you know he was kind of like a big kind of blundering guy yeah. in the beginning but now he's he's jacked he's in incredible shape he's learned a lot in the dojo and he's definitely a presence in there and Suji or Imura amateur wrestling background his wrestling is so great and these guys just go out there and kill each other for 10-15 minutes whatever the time limit is and have an incredible match and like like you said Rich when one day one of these guys win it's going to be huge. It's going to mean so much. Yeah. It's going to mean so much. And so, yes, a lot of uh, casual fans might not be as invested in, say, Suji anymore as they are the way with Jericho or Omega, that sort of thing. But here's the thing. 15 matches in one calendar year, no winner, and it and it keeps happening. That's a feud of the year candidate. Yeah. Like, you have to consider that. Also, they've... Um, been in tag matches together yes. um, throughout the year as well. Yeah, so I mean, um, as far as like Suji and Yumura, let's say they do end up being big stars one day, like this is going to be like the first monumental step in, in what could hypothetically be legendary career. So I've been, and the matches have been so enjoyable. That's the other thing. For if, me, if, if it was me booking this shit, I would have them go their whole careers still doing this until they finally get to a Wrestle Kingdom. And then that's when someone wins. Yeah. Well, Whether it's like one day when they're like, when they They've replaced and become like well, when we start the top stars. When we starting our our promotion, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just got enticed Suji and Yumura to come to uh, to Tampa Bay and uh, so suplex wrestling, so suplex yes. wrestling, yeah. We need to get a money mark to put money behind <laughs> yeah. us. Since so, so they're doing that out here, apparently. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the the next feud we're going to talk about Jay White and Kazushika Okada. 
I want to see Okada kick his ass so bad. And, that, and, that, and that's the great thing about the And that's feud. what's great about it. Yep. Like, JY has done such a great job of being a hateable, despicable heel. He has a face you want to punch. And, you know, turning on chaos, turn and, you know, joining the Bullet Club, um, aligning himself with Gato. I mean, this is something I don't think anybody could could have called Gato leaving Okada. No. No, nobody nobody had called that. Now, here's the thing with, with Jay White and Okada as far as being a feud. In some ways, I was thinking, no, we shouldn't do that because they've only had one match. But the thing is, this feud has literally been built since the day after Wrestle Kingdom. And it's culminating at Wrestle Kingdom and the intricacies and the storytelling. So many guys that... So many people that I know that that don't watch this, and they say it's hard for me to get into this product, and uh, you know because they don't have stories. Where are the stories? When was the last time in that front of your face? Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> when 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 Jay White sat there at that press conference after he turned down the Bullet Club, and then he told Okada, he's like, one of these days, he's like, whether it's for that title or not, he's like, you and I, he's like, but for now. He's like, let's be teammates. Shake on it. Right. And and like from that point, you knew like there was smoke. And like they've been they've been dropping little li- like little seeds and little crumbs for us all year at the prospect of these two guys. And then when he finally did turn on him, it was it was so perfectly built. It was a big built. moment, yeah. So I mean, this this feud has been it has so much legs underneath it that like it's got the, it. They have real pressure. Where they got yeah, to deliver, they have to deliver. They got yeah. to deliver in the Tokyo Dome this year, but, and it's not going to be on Okada if they don't. Yeah, but so. they they did have a very very good match during the G One. I know some people were disappointed by some of the prospects of it, but as far as like in a vacuum, a good match, it was a good match. But as far as let's talk about Okada and being broken, because I think Okada being broken has everything to do with the, with this Jay White feud, and that's also changed the entire. Trajectory like this. This feud is so low key, but has so many like butterfly effects and rippling effects. Because mm-hmm. um, yes, some people like to oversimplify this and be like, Okada lost his belt, so he went crazy. I don't know if it's just as simple as and that. And I think that's it, a, that's a big thing with champions. It's like, well, what does a champion do next? That feels like not a step down. He right. has to go into a crazy personal issue, and that's what this is. It, it's it's the poison. It's the poison that Jay White and Gato injected into chaos and how it has affected everybody that's tied mm-hmm. to it. And also, even like the Bullet Club tie-in. circle of life. Yeah. In the Bullet Club <laughs> tie-in, you know, Jay White turned down Bullet Club at first. And it comes full circle with him now leading Bullet Club. Like, yes. Yes. And so it does seem like if you were going to like, I don't know. Do a comic book, you know, a manga based on New Japan. You could literally be talking about these behind-the-scene implications where, like, you know, where the Tongans and Gato and him have been planning this, this all the, the whole, the whole time. Because, you know, Tama was at, it was kind of quiet throughout the beginning part of, like, the Omega Cody Civil War. He was kind of sitting back, chilling. So this whole time, he could have been, like... Getting this might replace both the So this has been it, it's just really interesting thing. The other thing too is like Jay White and Okada are two of the guys that like out of all these feuds we talked about, there's been almost more hate and heat and hatred between these two guys. The last time they were in the ring together, uh, during that tag team match at Power Struggle, 
They just literally ran at each other and never tagged into the match and just fought the entire time. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, yes, I think that this is – I think it's very – even though they've only had the one match, it's very deserving of Feud of the Year. And, like, it's got to be up there. And then uh, real quickly, LIJ and Suzuki Goon. These two factions have in some way, shape, form, or fashion have been feuding with each other throughout the year. Um, a lot of it, you know, Naito and Suzuki having two matches. Naito also feuded with uh, Tai Chi this year. You have Rapungi 3K, or not, uh, excuse me, um, Desperado and um, Kanemaru feuding with Hiromu and Bushi, and now feuding with Bushi and Shingo. Um, so just a lot of, I mean, you Zack have... Zack Sabre Jr. and Evil's feud. Yeah. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Naito. Evil and Sonata with um, Killer Elite Squad. Yes. So, I mean, there has been, um, you know, this this has kind of been the year to factional feuds. All throughout the year, there have been different feuds with different factions and stuff like that. But no two different fe- different factions have been interlocked with one another all throughout the year the way LIJ and Suzuki have. This feels like a great college football rivalry. Just like old-fashioned hate that's just <laughs> manifested between them. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like them dudes. That, and we're going to run it. That is literally what it feels like. Like, every time Naito and Suzuki are near each other, you don't know why. Like, yes, there are story elements, but it's just they don't like each other. Yeah, um, yeah Suzuki and Naito literally have had two lackluster matches with to incredible, incredible builds. And then the fact of Naito needing to get the, the Zack Saber monkey off of his back, being unable to pick up the win against him until literally power struggle this year. Um, this that this feud's been very prolonged. I know we gotta move on, but we we have not really touched on Tanahashi and Okada. Mm. Yes. yes. I mean the, the feud that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it, it, once it was for the belt, once it was for the block, and once it was for the briefcase. So you got three distinct Woo! things. Bro, that's like a book title. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> the belt, the block, and the briefcase. The belt, the block, and the briefcase. <laughs> yes. And, and it, yeah, it was like... Bro, uh, you got to write an article about this <laughs> and call it the belt, the block, and the briefcase. Put it in the, uh, send it for the uh, Voices of, Voices of Wrestling uh, year in book. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. The belt, the block, and the briefcase. Like, and and, Bro, this show's magic right now. Yeah, and then <laughs> I, I, that just came up to me off the top of my head. But um, Okada and Tanahashi is this great legendary rivalry in New Japan lore, right? This was like the extra chapter that you didn't know was sitting in the back. Like, oh my gosh, there's like there's another thing over here to devour too. Yeah. It's like I ate this whole great box of pizza, <laughs> and then I've got like the sides over here, right. and these weren't sides. These were like another you got another box of pizza. Yes, it's another <laughs> damn full box essentially. Like just <sighs> Okada replace quote unquote replaced Tanahashi a long time ago, right? But Tanahashi never forgot that. And I felt like he brought that to every single match. Like you're younger than me. You you might be better than me, but I, I, I built this company. I built this I, shit. I, yeah, I saved like, it from the dark days. I saved it like and, and I'm one day I'm going to give it to you. It, it it's a lot like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels like where they say Shawn Michaels was just, was just looking for that pat on the back from Bret eventually that co-sign. And I don't know the the dynamics between Tanahashi and Okada just because we don't tend to get that information, mm-hmm. but I feel like Tanahashi 
knows that this guy is worth it. So I'm going to, whatever I have left, I'm going to give it to him. And that's what this feud uh, this year was. Right. I mean, now we have the Mega Aces uniting. And I feel like yes. that's a whole other you know, chapter in oh the story. Oh, gosh. This is, oh, yeah. You know, eventually yep. they're going to have to run it again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing with it, too, and, like, we could spend all night talking about this one and we don't have all night to talk yeah. about it but the thing is is like they had out of all of these feuds the most consistently great matches of any of any series this entire year mm-hmm. not only that the history that's behind them is so nuanced they took an old feud that people were done with and main evented with it on numerous occasions did major business and the storytelling was some of the richest some of the most emotional and you know some of the greatest that we're gonna see all year long um it it is something that was not even like marketed marketed like that that, but it wasn't be over your head these guys are rivaling these guys are rivaling it just happened it was very understated and then by the time you were done, it was like, wow, I've seen a masterpiece. Yeah. I've literally seen a masterpiece in a year filled with masterpieces, something truly remarkable. All right. So next up, we have the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year Award. The right. White Guy Award. <laughs> well, not, te- right. not technically. Gaijin does not mean white person. It does mean outsider. Yeah. Foreigner. For instance, you guys would both be Gaijin. I would be Gaijin. Oh, okay. None of us. Are, we're not natives. Gotcha. So we have Cody, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., and Switchblade J. White. So this is an award that is not so much about who's the best wrestler. It's not so much about, like, who's the biggest star. But it's about what they bring to the table. That big Van Vader. The spirit of the foreigner. That that foreigner star quality. That Terry Funk quality. That Bruiser Brody quality. That guy that kind of comes from outside. And he's different. And he's different. And, different. He, mo- and he moves the needle in one way or the other. If it was strictly just who's the best in-ring guy, I mean, this would be the Kenny Omega. We'd change it from Big Van Vader to the Kenny Omega, Omega Award. Award yeah. you know? um, but that's not, when you're voting on this, it's not just about like, oh, which of these outsiders do I like the best? But you've got to look at what they have done for the company and brought to the table. That doesn't mean Kenny Omega doesn't have a shot at winning. Obviously, he was our winner last year. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about some of these guys. So, Cody. Yeah, Cody. And we got to keep it short because we're... Yeah, we're way. Yeah, just real quick. Cody, um, obviously, the whole Omega... Um, Kenny Civil War, we talked about earlier, has been a big part of the story this year. He's the current IWGP US champion. He's brought in a lot of business for Ring of Honor, all in, and just he's finally grown into his role of the Gaijin. Y'all gonna make me say good stuff about Cody? You don't have to, but what I will say is last year, Cody was every, and I've said this before, he was every single WCW wrestler that you ever saw in New Japan in the 90s. He was Rick Rude. He was Arn Anderson. He was Sting. He was guys that the foreign fans did not care about. A year later, he was Dusty. Yeah. He was Rick. He was all these NWA world champions that mattered that meant something in the 80s. Cody raised his stock, raised the profile of New Japan Pro Wrestling because he does have a lot to do with the success and the and the uh, the business that they've done this year. There's a reason that he headlined 
every single US-based show that they did here in the US. Not between the business he did with Bring of Honor and you know New Japan and All In and everything of that nature. And not only that, his in-ring work has exponentially gotten better being in New Japan, working with better stars and different style guys. So um, yeah, Cody, Cody became a star this year. Rich? Fuck him. Rich Rich is not the biggest Cody fan in the world. You know what's weird? I don't understand why you don't like Cody. It's so weird. You see, yeah. like at this point, it seems like, like he, he would have come around. Like he's done everything you want to. He's got better in the ring. He cuts good promos. He was a part of All In, being Rich, the elite. You cheered for him at All In. I did. I did. I did. And here's why. Because I listened. I, I opened my ears after a certain point. Do I think he's still a three-star wrestler, like, masquerading on a higher level? Yes, because he's in there with some of the greatest competition. Like, he's not the guy that's making the matches. Like, he's having the matches, I still feel like. But when you factor in all the other stuff and then you think about his story and what he means, like, to what wrestling is on the outside of the big company in New York, right? That's a great argument for Cody. Oh, and not only that, before we, we stop talking about Cody, Cody was the focal point and center of one of the most notorious stories of the whole year, of the, the Golden Lovers reuniting the Bullet Club Civil War. I mean, he was the antagonist the behind the entire yeah. thing. So, yeah, Cody's, Cody's had an incredible year. Uh, Chris Jericho. I mean, yeah, we talked about him earlier. Raising Ter- uh, Terry Funk's spirit from the dead. Right. Essentially, well, well Terry I mean, Funk's not dead, but, you know. You, you want to talk about a menacing foreign star? That's exactly what Oof. Jericho was. I mean, coming in and attacking our favorites, Kenny Omega, Naito, just going... Evil. Evil, just going after these guys and just being ruthless and just... Cussing. Cuss, being this wild, crazy man. Unpredictable. I mean... Jumping out of the crowd. I mean, all all this craziness. I mean, uh, not to mention the business part of it. I mean, Alpha versus Omega bringing in all those subscriptions. Uh, the match of Naito bringing in more subscriptions to Dominion. The T-shirts. I mean, the the match with Evil drew very well. Yeah. The, the other thing too is the fact that this award, this Gaijin award, some guys be- can become so familiar that it's almost like they aren't really a foreigner, but. Chris Jericho is from WWE. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the greatest Royal Rumble this year. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He was on Raw, like, what, is it, what was it? Raw 25. He was on yeah. Raw 25. He was in the greatest Royal Rumble. Number 50. Yeah. Excursion match of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but but, yeah, but it, Jer- Jericho coming here and being an out, being one of Vince's boys and showing up here, that's like, that's like Hulk Hogan showing up in New Japan in the 90s. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally insane. Then, you know, you have Kenny Omega who won the IWGP championship. He's the first like like Gaijin IWGP champion in how long? Since like Brock? We we've talked about it. The fact of the matter is, like you said earlier, Rich, that this guy is a focal point and a needle point. Like he's the glue that holds so many different things together. He's like this magnet where he's one of the greatest attractions in all of wrestling today. And Y'all know what it is. Yeah, he's the, he's the <laughs> IWGP champion. I mean, the IWGP champion. Uh, Will Ospreay, we talked about him. You know, another incredible in-ring year in and out of New Japan. And I think with Will, you, what you're probably about to mention, you can probably apply to Zach too. Mm-hmm. Two of the most 
well-known and visible wrestlers from New Japan outside of New Japan. Yeah. You look at them and still be like, they're New Japan guys. But their activity outside of it, I mean, they're literally wrestling every month, everywhere, like all over the world, um, which is like... It's just it's just insane, like you know what they kind of how they represent outside of New Japan, what they bring to the table. Um, just as like they they are they're like the the two international UK talents. They're like the the everyone's talking about the whole UK scene and everything like that. Now it started with these guys. Mm-hmm. These are the two guys, um, and I mean just had, they've had banner years. Uh, Jay White, regardless of what you think about his in-ring performance, he's a guy that was elevated this year, returning from excursion, uh, having big matches on all the big shows, um, just kind of being that focal point heel in a lot of stories this year. If if, if I had to give a top heel award to somebody this year, Jay White is m- most likely w- would probably win it. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely elevated, and right now he's one of the most hated pe- uh, people in New Japan. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> And then let's talk about faction of the year. So this is this is one where we don't have to spend a lot of time. Yeah, everybody is through this. But we have Chaos. We have the Bullet Club Elite. We have the newest faction, the Bullet Club OGs. Actually, they're not even. Are they still Bullet Club Elite, or are they just the Elite now? The Elite. Well, in, in well, New New Japan, they're Bullet Club Elite. Yeah, in New Japan, they're still called Bullet Club Elite. Yeah. Okay, Bullet Club OGs. Lij, which is Los Ingobernables de Japón, Taguchi Japan, and Suzuki Goon. <laughs> Did y'all ever figure out study uh, study all the thing y'all was talking about with chaos, whether their faces or heels? Yeah, you know, I think right now they're faces. Right, right? Now, yeah, <laughs> right, right now they're faces. Uh, but yeah, I mean, pretty much these are all the stables that are active in New Japan right now. Uh, I mean. It is what it is. I don't think we need to yeah, really go. Yeah, it's totally up to you guys on that. Like, you know, if you like the the cohesion, the cohesion and teamwork of Lij, vote for Lij. If you like a fresh, like new thing that you're, that you're really getting behind, go with the Bullet Club OGs. If you're just looking for literally elite talent and moving the the wrestling needle, vote for the elite. If you're looking for you know traditional, like you know all levels of everything, then you're looking at chaos. If you want to just do some wild shit. Vote for Taguchi Japan, and if, if you like you dudes, want, dudes that kill people, Suzuki. Suzuki Goon. Goon. Yeah, so I, I think with this, you kind of have to look at who do you see yourself in. Like, like, I think it really just boils down to which faction was the most successful, which one was the most consistent throughout the year, which one do you think represented like the ideals of, of New Japan? My one fear here is, and I'm not trying to dissuade people against voting for say the Bullet Club but I feel like sometimes in the past people vote for Bullet Club because of the fact that it's the most popular you know brand outside of New Japan my one thing I would ask for you if you're going to vote Bullet Club which by all means if, if you want to you should absolutely they've had a great year do it based on the merit of what they've accomplished in ring and in the stories and in the actual company. Don't do it based on Hot Topic shirts and don't do it based on R- Ring of Honor, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and and then compare them to Chaos. Compare them to Suzuki Goon. L-I-J. L-I-J. And, you know, across the board, wh- whichever one you're voting for, don't vote for the one that you think is your favorite or most popular. 
Vote for which one was the best this year, the same way you would do for the wrestler of the year. Right. And, uh, you know, Bullet Club did win our faction of the year last year, and it, it did feel like it had a lot to do with their popularity, the hot topics of being the elite um, YouTube show. The one thing I will say, last year, it seemed like the fan base that was watching New Japan was a fan base that was brought over because of the popularity of the Bullet Club brand. Mm-hmm. And obviously, look at Wrestle Kingdom last year, everything was being built by that. This year, a lot more of those fans are saturated by the by the product, and it's not so much just Bullet Club fans, it's New Japan fans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do think that the voting is going to uh, be a little bit different. I have a question before we move on. Mm-hmm. We're at the two-hour mark. We're halfway through this thing. Do we need to two-part this? Uh, I said we just run through it. Yeah, I, I, I'm here. Because we've got eight different categories to still go through. Uh, I said let's just run, let's run through them real quick. Because we got matches of the year categories still to go through. I feel like some of the, these next few ones we can kind of run through. Um, so, most improved, we have Cody, Toa Hanare, Chase Owens, Hangman Page, Zack Sabre Jr., Sho, Shota Umino, and Jay White. And the most improved award is, you know, the guys that have improved either in-ring they were either improved kayfabe-wise, they were elevated, guys that have kind of raised their stock. Um, so, I mean, all of these guys kind of fit in that description of either being elevated in-ring-wise or being elevated um, their position in the company. Yeah, like, who took the leap for you? Um, then uh, the newcomer of the year, we have Jeff Cobb, Hikaleo, Taiji Ishimori, Shingo Takagi, Chucky e. T, and Ayato Yoshido. Obviously, you're voting for which one of these guys was the best newcomer of the year. All these guys came in within the voting period. Uh, so just kind of voting who you think is the best newcomer. Uh, then we have the Fighting Spirit Award. Oh, yeah. And this is an award, kind of a, a word to kind of like a inspirational slash like emotional moment of the year. Uh, we have Tanahashi's G1 run, uh, Hanma's return from injury, Okada's IWGP title run, uh, Hiromu breaking his neck and finishing the match, Juice Robinson winning the IWGP US title, and Zack Sabre Jr.'s New Japan Cup run. Man, fighting spirit can be defined a lot of different ways, and I think you, you get you get inspiration with Hama and Tanahashi. You get flat out toughness with with Hiromu. You get to be in awe of Okada. You get to feel like you're seeing someone break through with Juice, and then you feel like a star is born uh, with Zack Saber Jr. Like in the Fighting Spirit Award. Tough. Yeah. Tough. Then we got the Young Boy of the Year Award. Josh Smith. The Josh Smith Award. <laughs> the, Josh Smith of the, the Joshua Smith Young Boy of the Year Award. And we have Katsu Kitamura, Ren Narita, Tomioka Oka, Yota Suji, Shota Umino, and Yuya Uemura. So once again, vote for who you think was the best young boy this year. You know, some of these guys uh, went on excursion or just kind of fell off the you know face of the earth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so yeah, let's go through and picking. I mean, all of these young boys have been awesome this year. So I think this one's another one that's going to be a tight race. Um, and so next up, we have some more uh, kind of match of the year categories. And these are three, uh, three categories here. First, we have the strong style 
fight of the year. Um, so this is a category. So when you think about these matches, these matches might not have the quote unquote, you know, best star ratings or would be considered match of the year. These matches are the matches that are the most violent, most bloody, grapple based, submission based, you know, the matches that embody the strong style. Literally, these are fights. Even though they're wrestling matches, these are fights. And the you definitely want to vote for the one that you think is the best. But bef- but what takes precedent even over the match quality, it is literally the violence. What <laughs> what 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 gave you that Mick Foley going through the freaking hell in a cell kind of factor that broke the kayfabe for you and been like, oh. This is a shoe. Like this, yeah. this could be a shoe. This is real. Yes. And uh, and some of these ma- I think we should talk about these matches. Yeah, we should. Yes. So nominees we have Narita versus Yagi from Lionsgate Project Ten, Suzuki versus Goto from Wrestle Kingdom Twelve, Ishii versus Elgin from New Japan Cup Day One, Naito versus Jericho from Dominion, Elgin versus Goto from Road to Kazuno Road, Saber versus Ibushi from G One Day Two, Ishii versus Goto from G One Day. Six Ibushi versus Ishii from G1 Day 10, Omega versus Ishii from G1 Day 14, and Suzuki versus Ishii from Power Struggle. So I'll just mention Narita and Yagi. That match in and of itself, many people haven't seen it. It is a little bit more low key because it's on a Lionsgate project show, but it's one of the most violent things that you'll see this Dude, entire year. That match was crazy. It, it literally will blow your mind. It was our our match of the month uh, last November. Uh, or was it December? December. Last December. Um, go out of your way to watch this. It's two young lions going for the gold and trying to make a name for themselves. And it, it's just literally just desperation, just heart, and it, it's violence personified. Who wants to bring? Who wants to talk about their thoughts on Suzuki Goto? Bro, uh, go for it, Rich. Suzuki and Goto. I remember going into it, it was a hair versus title match, and it was like, well, maybe Minoru Suzuki doesn't want to walk around with that stuff on his head anymore. No squiggles. <laughs> yeah. He lost that match, but he didn't lose that match. Like, <laughs> and yeah. he literally put this man to sleep, for one, woke him up, had some more of his ass, and then, you know, Goto found a way to pull it out. There's the match... Then there's the post-match, and the whole time is just this uncomfortable feeling that's just like, you're just in awe, in yeah. a sense. <laughs> Here's how violent that match is. Our good friend James Boyd, who does not watch New Japan as much as we do, he's not aware that like Suzuki and Goto are completely separate at this point and have nothing to do with each other. Every time he sees Goto... Because of how believable the heat was between him and Suzuki, he thinks Suzuki still has like comeuppance to come against this man. <laughs> like, he, he's still like, fi- Suzuki will never forget that as long as he, he lives. He's still fearful for Goto yeah. and his life, even though like it, it's long been passed. But yeah. every time he brings up, man, Suzuki's gonna kill that man. I just <laughs> <laughs> uh, next uh, Ishii and Elgin. This is from the first day of the New Japan Cup. Uh, Fuck yeah, dude! This match was a banger. These guys were going in there. All the hard forearm strikes, elbows, the headbutts. There was that crazy spot where I believe it was like what a splash mountain bomb off the top rope where um, that Ishii got dropped on his, his head. head. Yeah, 
He's lucky he didn't get Hiromu that night. Yeah, that it was bad, dude. It was a very dangerous match. Very, very crazy. One of the one of the craziest athletic Hoffs matches I've ever seen. It was so violent that people were underrating it because they were trying to deter the violence. Yeah, like people were like four and a quarter, and I was like five. Bitch. Like, <laughs> I was like five. <laughs> I like I remember when it happened. The next match, Naito and Jericho. So this is very interesting because Naito and Jericho is a match that is not necessarily uh, in the same style as some of these other matches, but when you talk about a fight of the year, this is the brawl of all brawls oh in New Japan God. this entire Dude, year. Jericho drug Naito. Naito looked like the, the freaking lost screen, like he was Ken in Street Fighter yes. 2 at the end, like yes. just bloody, just his eye was closed, like, and he wasn't bleeding the way that like a blade job was. He was bleeding like he got hard weight and just a little bit of like, you know, his eyes closing up and his it was bad. It was very, very bad. Uh this match, because of its placement and dominion, it gets very lost in the shuffle. But it's one of the most violent fights I saw all year. And it's also like a lesson in how to like I I would actually disagree with that. I don't think it does get lost because they I think wrote the book on that night on how not to get lost. Like yeah. you, you can't follow Osprey and Takahashi. You probably aren't gonna compete with Okada and Omega. So what do you do? Something totally different. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. Right. so and, and and make it to where like, like there's it, this big ass brawl in the match portion. Like if they had a regular match, it probably would have been more for yeah. yeah, it would have got swallowed up. Yeah. The next match, Elgin and Goto, which happened on Road to Kazuna Road. It was a never title match and it was actually when um was this when Elgin Elgin was defending the title against, against Goto. Goto, yeah. He just won the title and Goto went in there with all the t- determination to get his never title back and I mean they beat the crap out of each other. They beat the crap out of each yeah. other. Like I don't know how else to put it. Incredible it, stuff. It hard hitting. Uh, Rich, Saber and Ibushi from the G1. Bro, when I saw this match, I believe Josh saw this before me and was like, hey, watch that match. And then when I did, it was like, yo, it was a terrible Monday Night Raw that night. I, I, and then I was like, I need to watch some of the G1 to regain my sanity. So I watched that match, and it was just like these skinnier guys in Saber and Ibushi just chopping, kicking, striking, and just like, yo, this is like, <laughs> this is different. 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 They were writing all the wrongs that uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. Yes. Yeah. They, we were waiting they were for undoing, that match. They were undoing the evils. Yes. Of the booking committee. Um, yeah, yeah, Saber and Ishii's incredible. Um, another G1 Day Six, Ishii and Goto. The oh bell God. rings and they run into Switch, each other. Yes, dude. My they, God, dude, just the way that they two guys from the same faction just trying to murder each, like knock each other's heads off. This was the Hoss fight of Hoss fights during the G1. Um, yeah, if you're looking at traditional strong style fights where two guys are just trying to kill each other. <clears throat> There was very little in the G1 that could compare to this. Um, the next match is one that is neck and neck with it, and that's Ibushi and Ishii. Shades of Nakamura and Ibushi. I mean, 16 minutes. I will never forget this match for as long as I live. Yeah. 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 Um, it's very more... It's it's so reminiscent of the... It was only 16 minutes It was long. only 16 minutes. And this is very reminiscent of the house style of the main event scene in New Japan in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, where guys were not going out there to have classics. They were going out there to run it. Yeah. And they're going out there to run it. <laughs> and that's what Ibushi and Ishii were doing. And 
you're talking about the top two guys in the entire G1 having the fight of all fights. Yes. And uh, and this was also some, the one that you know people were underrating to deter the violence. Yes. Or whatever. Yeah. This was another five star match like that. That was like an uncrowned five star match. And then another violent one: Omega versus Ishii. I mean, Omega bleeding from his mouth all throughout. His mouth the was chopped. It was yeah. it was awful. And you know, and Omega's a guy that you don't usually associate with strong style. Yeah. And that was strong style. Yeah, and also like one one that wasn't on here, like Omega and Jericho. Like I know that wasn't on here. Like I thought, you know, Dude, they beat the hell out of each other in that match too. Like Kenny's like, like you know, a lot of like the flashy guys. The thing is, can they do the tough guy stuff? Right. Too? Mm-hmm. Like they say, like you know, Flair couldn't really do the tough guy stuff. Right. right? But Sean could. I think Kenny's on that Sean side where he can do the the tough guy hard. Crazy fights, but you gotta understand, Rich. There was like this was the hardest of all the match of the year, uh, like determinations. Like I made Jeremy go through it with me a second time after we'd already decided on everything, because there was there was there was Ishii, Toa Hanare, Ishii. Toa Hanare yeah. and Ishii. There was Makabe and Suzuki that didn't make the list. There was there was a whole bunch of strong style fights that didn't make the list. Um, but yeah, Omega and Ishii had had to be on here. It had to be on here. And then finally we get Suzuki and Ishii from Power Struggle, which they had three matches this year. Um, two could have been on this list, but we picked the Power Struggle match, which was the last nominee to, to, to get onto this list. And, you know, Murder Grandpa taking on Japanese Best Bout Machine. I mean, what, <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah, you, you know what it is when Suzuki and Ishii are in the ring. Elbows, 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 elbows. just open the match like that, right? Yeah, 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 just ring the bell and run it. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this, this is literally one of the few... Uh, like categories where I just don't I don't know who's gonna win this one to be honest with you I have no yeah. clue it's up to you guys you guys no. gotta decide this one alright then we have the junior match of the year we have the Fire. Young Bucks versus Rapungi 3K from New Beginning in Sapporo. We have Will Ospreay versus Romo Takahashi from New Beginning in Osaka. Osprey versus Girl from Sakura Genesis. Osprey versus Kushida from Wrestling Dontaku. El Desperado versus Takahashi from Best of the Super Junior Day 4. Takahashi versus Kushida from Best of the Super Junior Day 13. Takahashi versus Ishimori from Best of the Super Junior Finals. Osprey versus Takahashi from Dominion. Dragon Lee versus Takahashi from G1 Special in San Francisco. Francisco and Will Ospreay versus Marty Scroll from Fighting Spirit Unleashed. So last year we didn't have a separate category for junior matches, and many of the junior matches that existed in 2017 they got left off of the list entirely. We ended up at a point where, like me and Jeremy, were just like, in order for us to do this, like we're gonna have to create a category. We're gonna have to create a category and recognize the junior matches. Now here's the crazy thing: I remember every one of these matches. And I could not start to begin to, to recap all these matches. Right. Just like if you want to talk about something like that happened most recently, like Osprey and Skrull, it was electric from the literally the bell ringing. Um, you know, you, you got a Dragon Lee and Takahashi match, like there, Osprey and Takahashi on here a couple of times. With Dragon Lee and Takahashi, their their entire series that's been going on for years, it's one of the most legendary series that's out there. This was just another entry in that series. Obviously, it's a little more uh, notorious because of the botch with, with uh, right. Hiromu. Um, that that's was- only going to add to the story when they run it again one day. And 
I think this is going to be like you know one of those um, like it's such a balanced category, right? This is going to be carried by the second and third place votes. I feel like. Well, here's the thing: you got Osprey and Scroll from Fighting Spirit Unleashed, and you can praise that as much as you did. But then look at Osprey and Scroll from Scourge Genesis. Genesis. Yes, and and you know the botch with with uh, Osprey's neck when he almost killed himself. Yeah, and you know Marty trying to murder him with the stomps. And how do you? Decide between those two matches or any of these matches, which one's the best? That's the Super Junior Finals, and my God, and then these guys. Osprey, like. <laughs> Osprey, and Takahashi did it twice this year. They did it at Dominion. They had that incredible match where uh, Hiromu ended up lifting the belt. But then in the early part of the year, they did it again at Sakura Genesis, and both matches were every bit as phenomenal as the other. Yeah, and it just shows you, like we mentioned, what what the level Osprey was on this year, like. How many times is Osprey's name on this list? Like he's dominating this list. You look at Hiromu and his best of the Super Juniors run, and we've got three matches, you know, back to back on here. The match he had with El Desperado that played into their entire feud, going back to their days as young lions. Uh, that that was a that was like a wild brawl that went all over Corkin. Then you look at the match he had with Kushida, which obviously we know that they they had one of the top feuds of 2017, probably arguably the junior feud of the year, and that was just another entry point. Both guys were fantastic there, and then Takahashi and Ishimori just making magic in the in the finals. Um, the the juniors have been literally electric and on fire. All year long, not to mention Osprey and, and Kushida at Dantaku. And then the first match and the last one that, you know, is the Young Bucks and Rapongi 3K. Yeah, I mean, that match I think is very underrated. It's, it's so not underrated. talked about. Like, that was like one of the, you know, pillar fuse for the junior tag title in the beginning of the year. Yeah, that this is one of those matches why we started to consider Young Bucks as wrestlers of the year and why we talked about show as being, you know, a junior uh, wrestler of the year. So I mean this match hurt Matt Jackson's back a lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was it was the wrestling match. It was the wrestling I know. Match. But this one made it worse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I mean this this is one of my favorite categories, the junior match of the year, and I mean I think it's some people will be like, well, these matches are so good. Why aren't they in the in the match of the year category? And I'm like, dude, I don't want to even underplay these matches. Let's just showcase them and put them on their own pedestal because that's how good this exactly. year's been. And then next we have another new category, and it's the excursion match of the year. This is the best match to happen outside of New Japan featuring New Japan stars. So we have Ishii versus Saber from the Rev Pro Live in New Orleans. We have Osprey versus Riddle from the WWN Super Show. Fire. We have SCU versus uh, the Young Bucks and Flip Gordon from Ring of Honor Super Card of Honor. We have A Kid versus Zack Saber Jr. from Triple W Total Rumble Eight. Ishii versus Keith Lee from Rev Pro Epic Encounter. Osprey versus Riddle from OTT Scrapper Mania Four. Walter versus Ishii from Rev Pro Summer Sizzler. Cody versus Nick Aldis from All In. Omega vs. Pentagon Jr. from All In. Elgin vs. Uh, Guerrero from CMLL Super Viernes from October 12th. And then Osprey vs. Walter from OTT 4th Anniversary Show. 
So this category is one that I worked on extensively. Me and Jeremy came up with the picks together. It was nearly impossible to actually watch everything that everybody had done outside of New Japan. So we had to kind of rely on ratings from multiple sources, the matches that we watched, <laughs> um, and then also kind of like the intangibles, like what what were the bigger matches? Because there were guys like, for instance, throwing it out there, Zack Sabre you know, had a, an incredible match in a gymnasium against a guy named Wild Boar that was near five stars. But, you know, you compare that to an all-in match and it's kind of hard to make this list. So, I mean, there was many different factors. So it, it kind of had to be, you know, a foreign excursion match that involved a New Japan talent that that had like a build, that had the atmosphere, that had the story, had platform. that had the platform, yeah. that had the star ratings. It had to have a lot going for it. The other thing too, and I'm just going to throw it out there, Will Ospreay, and Zack Sabre probably had two-thirds of all the matches that could have been reviewed. And at a certain point, we had to cut it off and be like, okay, these guys can only have... All right, yeah. I mean, there's and there's still a bunch of Sabre and Osprey on here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, Will Ospreay has got to be in contention for Wrestler of the Year because he went to every like promotion every single month all year was doing four and a half and higher star matches all year long yeah. everywhere he went mm-hmm. and Sabre wasn't far from him so I mean um, some of these matches so Ishii and Sabre I mean that was a banger we were there live we were there live yep. so like the first three of these on this list yep. I, I, I rewatched this it still holds up it's a high recommend that's where Ishii Ishii tore the house down it lifted, <laughs> he lifted the title off Sabre Sabre had been you know champion for over a year um, Osprey and Riddle the WWN Super Show best match oh, I've ever seen in person yeah amazing the great story they told of Osprey's neck. He had just came from Sakura Genesis where he did the Spanish fly spot and yep. hurt his neck and that played into the finish of this matchup. Incredible. Um, SCU versus Young Bucks and Flip Gordon in a ladder war at the Supercard of Honor. You know when you have the Young Bucks in a ladder match, it's going to be wild. Like, when did the Young Bucks not deliver Like in any of these spots? like <laughs> and, and, and you know what? The Young Bucks had plenty of matches that could have potentially been on this list as well, but it was just such a bloated year. Um, it really did come down to us either nominating this or the match that they had with the Briscoes at what... What was uh, it? Was that Best in the World? Yeah, I believe at Best of the World. We decided on this match, um, which was just incredible. Um, A-Kid versus Zack Sabre Jr. from Triple W, which was a match that kind of snuck up on people and just recently came into vogue. And it's incredible. It's incredible. And it's completely unique from anything else you're going to see here. So, like, the atmosphere is, like, super unique. I would recommend watching it for that alone. Um, absolutely. If you haven't seen it, definitely go out of your way to check it out. Ishii versus Keith Lee from RevPro, Epic Encounter. Dude, Ishii making Keith Lee look like he's small. Yep, and this is a, a highly anticipated rematch from what probably should have been. If we'd had this category last year, Ishii and, and Keith Lee from Global Wars the year prior probably would have won. So highly, highly anticipated rematch. Ishii and Keith, La- Keith Lee are like guys that were like custom made for one another. <laughs> and just, an inc- you have to see it. Um, Osprey and Riddle recreating magic a second time at Scrapper Mania just a month later. A month later, yeah. yeah. And this is arguably a more athletic and faster paced and, and longer match. So it depends on, on whether you buy into the, um, the dramatics and the big moment at WrestleMania weekend with the story that they told or if if you're a mark for the flips and you're a mark for the fast-paced action this match delivers in strides and I think it's the first time that Osprey ever delivers the um the Stormbreaker yeah also the 
OTT audience in this match is just unrivaled. It's one of the hottest crowds that you're going to see in any match anywhere in the in the in the world. Um, Walter and Ishii Rep Pro Summer Sizzler, another highly anticipated match. I mean, Walter's just like the bruiser of all bruisers on the indies, and Tomohiro Ishii showing up at you know and defending his title. Like, Coming to fight you, yeah. Yes. No, I think this was for the number one contendership, but still, yeah. Incredible. Um, this is one that I wanted added no matter what. Dude, young boy fought <laughs> very hard to get Cody versus Nick Aldis on this list. There was a lot of other matches that probably could have been on here. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and tell you Cody and Nick Aldis is, you know, move for move the, the best match of anything that's that's out here. But when you look at the build and you look at the platform and you compare it to almost every match that we just that we just um, you know mentioned, and and what you end up leaving like this is delivered in a way where it's like it's like an MMA or boxing world heavyweight championship title fight, and it's got to be nominated for. And also, not only that, it's got to be Cody's best match outside of New Japan this entire year, and the most not- notable one, business wise too. If you're talking about excursion match of the year, it's one of the biggest. Yeah. And I feel like that, and I didn't mention it earlier, but there was a 21-minute video that accompanies this match mm-hmm. that was like, even made someone like me be like, fuck it. Like, once, once you saw him walking out there, <laughs> I was like, fuck it. Like, like this man got to win. Like, yeah. and, and you know what else, too, is like, there's probably people who are like, this isn't even the best match on All In, and, and obviously, we got Omega and Pentagon Correct. next. But there's probably people who are like, oh, Joey Janela and, and you know, Heyman's hey, hey, better or, or whatever. But here's the thing is, like, it's our show, and I really... <laughs> it's our show! I really, I really, 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 really like this match. Yeah, dude. I, Excursion Match of the Year is another one we went over, like, two or three times, and at the very end, I was like, can we add Cody and Nick all this I just, I just think it's got to get the praise that it that it, it's deserving. I'm not sitting here telling you it's a five-star classic, but for what it is and what it represents, it's got to be on this list. Yeah. Um, Omega and Pentagon dream match. Oh, dude! Like never. Well, you thought we would see this match, especially since you know uh, Golden Lovers were supposed to face Lucha Bros WrestleMania weekend, but New Japan put the kibosh on it. But you know, hey, All In was their platform. They ran it. Omega they versus. Wanted. Yeah, and, and we haven't talked a lot about matches that were cut. Obviously, Omega just recently wrestled Phoenix. We saw that match. It's an incredible match. It did not make our list, but when you compare that to Pentagon, there, there, there's a dichotomy there, and like where the Phoenix match was like this showcase of you know Kenny Omega kind of doing all the Kenny Omega stuff the Omega Pentagon match was like Pentagon getting all this offense and him taking Kenny to the limit and it, yeah it literally could have gone either way yeah it's like you know it was like a trap game in a sense like when you're this big guy or whatever right like this big star like Omega is and then you run into this guy that you're better than right but that guy doesn't know that. And that's what Pentagon was that night. And, and like, he doesn't, like, he's like, I don't give a fuck. You still have to fight me tonight. Zero. Like, <laughs> and that's what that was. Like, like. It's like when, when nobody told Joe Frazier that he's supposed to lay down for all. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, the Omega Pentagon. And the thing, too, is, like, it's the highlight. Arguably, it's the highlight of All In, which is the biggest independent show in history. And it, it's the IWGP champion going against one of the biggest stars in the world. I mean, how much what what bigger stage can you set for for Kenny outside of New Japan? So, it's got to be on there. Um Elgin and Guerrero. 
This is a match that's a little more understated because it happened in CMLL, and I feel like the fan base from from Lucha to Puro is not necessarily there, or even from from Lucha to Dude, they should be to Indy, but what? they should be. <laughs> this was Ultimo Guerrero, right? This yeah, is Ultimo Guerrero. Guerrero. This was a match that blew my freaking mind. If you want to see Elgin go over to Mexico and muscle the crap out of you know their most dominant heel champion, this is the match for you. This was two guys. In a sold-out arena, Mexico, doing all the flips and doing all... It was like a heavyweight championship fight. Just guys hitting each other with bombs. I love this match. And then finally, Osprey and Walter. Dude, this match was incredible. The ultimate, you know, big man versus little man story of Walter just caving in Osprey's chest with chops and strikes. Yes. And uh, Osprey fighting back and just getting... You know, these hope spots, and it was just an awesome match. This is another category where I don't know who wins. Yeah. I literally don't know, like, what the general consensus this is. This is why that, I'm going to keep saying it. That second and third place voting is so important. Do not fuck off with those. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last category is another new category we added this year. The news story of the year. Yeah, and I'm happy. I think this is a... This is a great one to, to end with. So we have uh, Harold May becoming the new president, the elite contract negotiations, Ring of Honor and New Japan selling out MSG, Chris Jericho coming to New Japan, uh, the record-grossing year, and the international expansion. <laughs> My God. So obviously, let's start with Harold May. So Harold May becoming the new president, and what that has meant as far as change in business direction, change in marketing, the westernization, the, the westernization. <laughs> Harold May taking a shower at the beginning of Dominion. <laughs> Harold May running out to the ring like the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. Yeah, him getting the greatest like promo build ever that I've ever seen in New Japan. <laughs> like his debut was epic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, Harold with Harold May being put into you know control, it, it's kind of the although Bushi Road is still you know at the you know they still are the parent company, it is kind of the end of the Bushi Road era, and it's kind of the start of the Harold May May era. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what it means because it, it's only happened six months ago, but since that time, there have been a lot of changes in power, changes in direction, changes with characters, um, different. Uh, like company policies that have been put into place that has affected a lot of different things. And, um, you know, many of these different news stories we're talking about do interlock, but Harold may becoming a new, the new president over, uh, I forget the, the Sagaguchi. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I forget. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, we're, we're terrible. I can't believe I run a new Japan podcast, <laughs> but still him coming to power is a huge story. Yeah. And it was unexpected. Uh, you know, the elite contract negotiations. I mean, we've been a, a elite watch for the last couple of months now. Like where these, All year. Yeah, where are these guys going? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they're not going to WWE based off of how much fun they're making fun of them and being the elite. Oh, and my God. And with the reveal of all elite wrestling. Um, and I think you have to factor in all in when you talk about this. Yeah. You got to factor in, you know, the being the elite storylines. Them putting year. the belt on Kenny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. It, valuing their asset because we've seen it, you know, in other situations like where it's like they book someone like they don't actually want to push them until they sign. They gave Kenny Omega 
a phenomenal year of booking mm-hmm. this year when they could potentially have ended up burned in the end. Well, think about it too. We've got their contract negotiations, you know, right on the horizon, and Kenny Omega is going into January fourth as the IWGP Champion against Hiroshi Tanahashi in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. That's huge. Like. The fact that there is a potential other promotion that they may be starting and everything that's going on with their their negotiations, what does that really mean? Yeah. And what does that add to the intrigue behind the the Wrestle Kingdom main event? I mean, we really don't know. Right. And, you know, this the elite contract negotiations also affects the third story, the Ring of Honor New Japan selling out MSG. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are ex- were expecting to see the Bucks, Cody, Kenny, Hangman Page, and Skrull on this uh, MSG show. I mean, Skrull will be there because he signed a contract extension, but we have no idea if any of these other elite guys are going to end up being on this Ring of Honor New Japan show. I want to talk about how much this pissed some people off. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. All yeah. y'all suckers that were out here <laughs> rooting for failure for these dudes and for WWE to dominate the, the landscape of a building they don't even run anymore. How about it? How about it? How about it now? <laughs> and all three of us, we're going to be at MSG uh, next year in April. So we got to sell out. Now they got to put the card together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris Jericho showing up in New Japan Pro Wrestling. when Fucking massive. When, you know, for all these years, everyone has always heard, I'll never work for anyone but Vince. Then it was, oh, well, now I'm going to New Japan. I'll never work for anyone in the U.S., Keep changing. Yeah. Yeah. But Jericho coming to New Japan was it it's it's one of the largest news stories of the entire year. Absolutely. The business it did, the Alpha and the Omega storyline, you know, everything past that. We we And he couldn't have mapped his career better because, you know, according to like Melzer, like he was sensing that it was time for him to get out of WWE because of how they were never going to push him push him like the star that he was. So he was like, fuck it, I'm going to control my own destiny, work when I want to work, make my value what I say it is. Coupled with everything he brings as an entrepreneur and businessman, that them linking their brands up, Jericho is one of one. People used to say he's the next Shawn Michaels. Fuck no. He's something else. Like, <laughs> like, like he's not a nostalgia act. He's like... Right. Constantly reinventing himself. I mean, even from the Alpha vs. Omega to the Jericho vs. Naito, we saw an evolution of that the alpha character within this character within this calendar year. Yeah, we are many times and I'm guilty of it too. We're guilty of trying to compare wrestlers to other performers of yesteryear and finding parallels between one another and could I do the whole Terry Funk parallel with Jericho? Absolutely. And we, and we mentioned it here here tonight, but like But when you really when it, what it really boils down to is there's almost nobody ever in the history of this business who's been as good at reinventing themselves and drawing and doing business as Chris Jericho. Not- he's, he's everything that they didn't think he was at one time in his career. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jer- But Jericho coming to New Japan, and I mean, the last thing I want to say about this before we move on is we haven't known what he was going to do at any point all year. Every single step is. Oh, like, <laughs> what is this weed? So, what are you talking about, dog? Man, you you have been fooled by Jericho over again, 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 again. again. <laughs> Listen, J- 
Jeremy didn't know what he was going to do. It was but all I, I was more optimistic and more being like, you know, I think Jericho might come back. You're like, man, no. Nah, nah, nah. yeah, I, I think it was it. Yeah, oh, man, oh, man, that was it. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if he's gonna come back to fight Naito. I, I don't remember all that arm. I was reading. Uh, well, you know, there's this awesome thing uh, called the archives of yes. social suplex. Yes. Go back and listen to some old episodes. Man, ain't yeah. nobody got time for that. We're about to hear in the now. Yeah, I don't know. People like going back and listening to the old episodes. Yeah, you know, Bro. several in a row. Yeah, I, I've been noticing our like numbers are going up. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then, um, the record grossing year, dude. This year, the the business has exploded for New Japan. If you go to all the tours, all the houses have been up. A lot of sellouts. Merchandise. This Merchandise. This is a pro wrestling company doing this. Yeah. This is not built off of like a, a bed of lies, like a TV deal. They don't have the TV deal. Right? Right. <laughs> I mean, they do have a couple TV deals, but they're it's, it's not as serious as a USA Network yeah. deal or anything like, you know, Fox. And, you know, but their expansion with their distribution, the fact that, their show, that they, they, they're getting their show in all these different countries, the fact that they've gone and done tours in different countries, the U.S., the UK, freaking Australia, mm-hmm. um, you know. The, the New Japan world subscription numbers. The, yeah, their subscription numbers are way up. The Access TV numbers are way up. I um, mean, even the ticket sales for Russell Kingdom, I mean, tickets are flying off the shelf yeah. now. I mean, it's way better than last year. Biz- business is better than it has ever been from a monetary standpoint with this company. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's built off the back of 2017 and 2016 and 2015. Yeah. There's no denying that, but, like, the fact of the matter is all these different things that we're talking about with the elite and Chris Jericho and the popular – the boom period. They have so many things. Like L.I.J. They have, just, they have so many things. Whatever you want to pick, like, all these things have – it's like a big gumbo that you can just mix in all these ingredients. And what you get is a promotion that is peaking and that is going to be fine regardless of what happens mm-hmm. uh, January 5th and, and beyond. The main thing here, though, the big, the big news story is money. They got money. Yeah. yeah. They got it, money. It's about money, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, finally, let's, the, the international expansion. So them coming to the U.S., them doing the L.A. Dojo, them doing the U.S. shows, them doing the Cow Palace. Like, I like we got to, like, drive, like, three hours and see, like, Hiromu Takahashi. Right. The the, uh, the CEO. At the, Kenny, at the Kenny show. We got to see New Japan at, Rus- at, at WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend. weekend. Yes. Yeah. The Ring yes. of Honor Supercard of Honor show. Uh, Like, being able to see New Japan stars in the U.S. has never been as easy as it is now with the Ring of Honor shows and the produce shows that they're doing and everything of that nature. And, yeah, they're just – they're expanding. And like I mentioned previously, they're they're getting their television product in other countries, whether it be India, whether it be the the U.K., whether it be – Wasn't there a France? France, yes. There was a France deal. Australia, all these different places, um, they are expanding. You know, Shibata's he- head head of the LA, LA Dojo. Dojo. <laughs> they got plans to do more shows in California. We don't even know what's going to happen next year, but you know they they went from running you know a one weekend event last year where we thought that was a big deal to like this year they ran multiple U.S. shows. You know, with varying degrees of success, but still, like, they are definitely... And I don't think, like, I, I know there are certain, like, segments of the New Japan fan base that are just very nervous about the international prospects of the company and expanding into the West and afraid that New Japan is going to lose its identity. It happens, man. Like, <laughs> and, but when... 
you have the international expansion, it affects everything else. It makes Harold May look better. It makes them be able to have enough money to retain someone like the Elite. It draws more sellouts. It, it, it keeps motherfuckers like Chris Jericho showing up. It, and then, of course, what's it lead back to? The money. Right. So, like, Gives you that record-grossing year. Yeah, so I, that's a tough category as well. Great job on these categories. Before we leave, because we kind of glossed over it, and I feel like it, we'd be doing a disservice to the awards if we didn't at least discuss it a little bit. Most Improved. All right, Most Improved. Uh, so once again, the nominees are Cody, Toa Hanare, Chase Owens, Hangman Page, Zack Sabre Jr., Show from Punky 3K, Shota Umino, and Switchblade Jay White. So with Most Improved, we kind of like we're looking at all these different guys and it's like, well, in some cases, someone improved in ring, but maybe their placement in the company didn't like necessarily improve. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And in other places, like how could like some people could never improve in ring, but their placement in the company improved in other in others. It was business based. So, I mean, there were definitely different like criteria by. So for each person, we pretty much were just looking. How did they improve as an individual performer? For how it affected them. Affected yeah. them and have to like split the difference between who you think was the most informer. Um, Cody, we've depth about him in the other, other ones, but as far as in-ring work, greatly improved, but as far as a commodity in Japan, greatly improved business-wise. Yeah, and uh, then you got Toa Hanare. This guy was a guy that we couldn't stand as a young lion. No. We didn't get him. As Joe Lanza would say, he was a jag. Yeah, just, just a guy. guy. <laughs> and then he, uh, then he kind of graduated from the dojo. He started doing his gimmick. And even then, we were kind of like, the gimmick is whack. He's whack. Like, <laughs> get this man off our TV. But then he started having the hard-hitting matches. He started running it with Ishii. He started teaming with Makabe and being spotlight more and having better and better matches and just going out there and just, just getting better. And I think he's a case where he went from, like, just a guy to a good wrestler while Cody had went from, like, you know, just a good wrestler to, like, an all-star now. Yeah. Like, if it was, yeah. like, in the NBA, like, those are, like, kind of the tiers that you judge the most improved player with. With our next guy, Chase Owens, um, you could kind of look at him and be like, well, how could he improve? He's been great for all this time. But in New Japan Pro Wrestling, this went from being a guy that strictly was literally the bottom guy who could only literally beat baby faces to where he's been spotlighted this past year. Now, he, he still isn't considered like a tile contender. He's not going to be in a G1 or anything of that nature. But if you put him against Toa Hanare or you put him up, up against uh, David Dave Finley, Finley or someone yeah. of that nature, he's going to beat them. He also has a finisher, that package pal driver that's been put over heavily. That And it's very protected. It's protected. Anybody hits with it, they're, they're going to lose. The other thing, too, is like he's not just a prelim guy anymore. Because of his uh, relationship with Kenny Omega and his placement with Cody Abushi, he's been headlining shows all year long. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who was strictly a prelim guy, you know, a, two years ago. And so Chase, and not only that, because Chase is wrestling in longer matches with more high profile, uh, you know, looks at him, he's getting a chance to showcase what he can do on a, on a higher level. He's always been great, but he's been able to showcase more of that this year. So that's why we kind of have him as one of the most improved because he's definitely like risen in the ranks when it comes to his stock in the company. Um, I know you guys want to talk about Hangman. 
He's probably my favorite guy on this list, like uh, of the most improved guys. Literally, I walked by that man at um, you know, in Lake Lakeland, like during the meet and greets, just walked by him. I was like. He's a big motherfucker, like, like <laughs> close, like right. And then you just saw what he did over WrestleMania weekend. He had that main event with Kenny, and then he went to the G one and was like, and you had a great analogy, like he's Triple H, like he's the young guy that is going to be this dude that's going to be important in the future. And he went from good player to borderline star status, like. I don't, I'm not saying you're going to main event with Hangman or anything like that, but you're going to put him with any of those dudes on that wrestler of the year list, and he's going to more than hold his own in the match. He will be the B-side of the match, but he will be in the match. Like. Right, and it's a guy, man, we've been seeing Hangman's pages, uh, pages praises all year, and just he goes out there every match. doesn't matter if it's a multi-man, World Tag League, G1, he goes out there and busts his ass every match and works his hardest to have the best match he can. He, he's a guy that when he's in matches with bigger stars and, you know, more prominent people, he shouldn't shine. And he always shines. Mm-hmm. He always shines. He has the best moves, the coolest, you know, uh, you know, hot tags, move sets, that sort of thing. And in a company where wins and losses matter, you want to talk about most improved. He went into the G1. Yes, he had a losing record, but he beat Makabe. He beat Minoru Suzuki clean. I mean, for, I mean, he was elevated to the, the point that he was actually in the G1. Yeah. A year ago, he would never have been in the G1. Yeah. Now he's in a tag team with uh, Yujiro, and he's like the A-side when the year before he was like the B-side. B-side. Yeah. So not only has he improved as an in-ring worker, but like – and not only that, he's over. Hangman Page. Hang, yes. And he got music. Yes. Right? <laughs> this has got to be one of the favorites when it comes to this sort of thing. I just wish he dropped, like, the rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For my own reasons, but, then, you know. And then our last couple guys. So you got Zack Sabre Jr., who we've talked about extensively, but the reason he's here is because this is a guy who went from being at the Never level to he's at the IWGP level. Like, I honestly, I could see Zack winning the belt sometime next year. I could see Zach winning this award <laughs> right now. You so, know. so Saber's case is like him going from a good wrestler to like superstar. Exactly. So like yeah. that that next tier, like mm-hmm. like you know, I, and, and he was a, he's a wrestler of the year candidate. So yeah, he, he was a guy who That's was the biggest leap I see. He's like. a guy that like last year was sort of like an outside Noah, you know, sort of you know they brought him in and he was sort of like just a, an attraction, just like a you know like a new act to sort of add. And yes, he was getting big wins, but he was not being showcased. He as. wasn't impacting the culture. Yeah, he, he wasn't, wasn't moving the culture. He as wasn't I moving things. And then suddenly, like, he went through that New Japan Cup and he beat all the aces. He's the ace killer. Yeah. Like, he took down Sonata. He took down Naito. He took down Ibushi. He took down Tanahashi in easy fashion. So, I mean, this is someone who they, they, they've definitely elevated and who's improved. And then... The last two, you've got Shota Umino and you've got Show of Rapongi 3K. Actually, yeah, Jay White too. Yeah. Oh my bad, and yep. and Jay White. So with with Show, we've talked about him extensively as well, but just the fact that like, you know, a year or two ago he was a young boy. Now he's like right on the cusp of like I could see him being an IWGP challenger this coming year. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Show does get that breakout moment and get that title shot. He, he's the one guy that, like, there's lots of people who had great 
best Super Junior runs, but when you talk about him, I think with his best Super Junior run, it was like he had the breakout performance of everybody in that tournament. Yeah. Uh, Shota Imino, he's been pushed as the new ace of the young boy since uh, Kawato-san went on excursion to CMLL. Um, he's constantly, um, if, if a young boy is going to be on the card, it's going to be Omino with a multi-man matches, him against another young boy. Um, he's, you know, being pushed, like I said, as the ace, as the new top young boy. I expect him to go on excursion some point next year. Uh, I mean, he's the kind of the guy they're getting behind. If he's, if he's not this year, yeah, he probably will be on this next year. <laughs> right. And last but not least, mind, we we keep mentioning last. It might seem mentioning him last because ice or something of that nature. It's because of his last name, medical order. Jay White absolutely has a shot and, and might even be the likely winner of most improved of the year. This is a guy who, in the beginning of the year, we were all down on him. We are like, give him some time. And by the end of it, halfway sold on him. And I'm expecting to have a great match with uh, with with Okada in the Dome. Um not only has he improved over the, the past year from what he was as a young lion, through the course of the year, we've literally improved in his pro- in his character work. This just gets it. Yes, he has all-time great performance, but we've seen him grow as a performer on the main event level. We've seen him become a guy who was unsure of himself against Kenny Omega to where he's holding his own against Tanahashi and Okada in these you know, main events. He's got to be one of the most past year, and, so, and, so, and and became a star. So the thing about Jay White, right? If you look at Russell Kingdom last year, he was like the third match from the top, like with Tanahashi. He's still the third match from the top here, but it's totally different now. Totally right? different. Like it feels like he's there for a reason rather than just a. Obviously, that's going to be a a return from excursion, but this actually feels like there's weight underneath him, and I think he's built a certain amount of equity with people. For as much as I don't dig him personally. Um, um, where I think he will get a lot of people toward him looking at that year and just all the cool stuff that he's been involved in. And just he's, I don't know if he's in the right spot time, but he's got a chance to. If Jay White had better matches this year, he'd absolutely be one of the candidates for wrestler of the year about it. Definitely. And as for improvement, I mean, he's we've seen him strides. Like this was about ultimately great matches. So he's he's doing else. Like he's doing thing. He's doing he's moving in a in a different way. But he puts the matches together. I might you know, we might have some But make no mistake about it, this is a guy who was having okay matches and now is having consistent very, very good matches. He's at that five star level all the time. But man, he does deliver. Juice matches, the Dave Finley is, the Okada match, the time match. He's just not at that super, super high man, he's he's really that's going to wrap up the awards show. Make sure you go out, get your votes. Um, and then, said Christmas Day, we'll ask the winners of, of, of all this. Dude, New Japan has been so good. Yeah. Man, I wish I could be the end of the <laughs> will be uh, on this well at some point. Yeah. Yeah, so all right, we'll be back uh, today for our regular episode of Keep On Style, our one year episode. So see you guys then. Until next, goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them
them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.